What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Garp Network. My name is Eric. And I'm Matt. And tonight we're celebrating the 16th anniversary of Land of the Dead. It's hard to believe it's been that long. What do you what do you think about that, Matt? Man, I'm telling you, waiting those couple of years while George was talking about it and getting getting ready to make it and false starts and all the rumors. And it came out and I'm like, oh, my God, it's here. It was like Christmas for me. I'm, but I can't believe it's been 16 years. It does seem like yesterday. Yeah, because uh, we didn't we didn't get a chance to see Bruiser in the theater. So this is a lot of our first chances to see a George A. Romero film in the theater. And I know, I mean, I certainly took advantage and I, I know you did as well. I, uh, <laughs> I think I saw it seven times in the theater during its run. And at least two of those screenings were in the same day. Yeah, I, I definitely saw it. On this day, 16 years ago, I know <laughs> yep. I saw it twice, but you were actually at the premiere, though. Was that uh, that was on this day, right? Or, uh, uh, or it was in Pittsburgh, but I don't think it was this day. I think it was it was it was the Tuesday or Wednesday before. So it would have been a couple of days, a couple of days before. And that was that blew my mind because that was such an event in itself. Like I was yeah. I was just starstruck by not just the folks that were there, but just the entire spectacle. And then seeing it on the big screen in Pittsburgh and George was like two rows in front of me. And I'm like, mm. I'm watching him. I'm watching the movie and I'm looking at the back of George's head and I'm watching the movie. And it was just it's surreal. I remember every single thing about that, that couple of days. Well, tonight as uh, to help us celebrate the sweet 16 of land of the dead's release, uh, we have Mr. Ben Rubin from the George A. Romero archive. Who's going to be joined joining us in a few moments uh, to discuss some Land of the Dead artifacts. And uh, what else we got coming up, Matt? Uh, well, we are going next week to the Living Dead weekend at the Monroeville Mall. Uh, it's first big convention for a lot of us folks in, in the last 18 months. So it's going to be like a big family reunion, hopefully hopefully some hugs or social distance highs, whatever, whatever you guys are into. Um, <laughs> we're going to we're going to congregate on the mall like a pack of zombies and we're really going to have a good time. Uh, the Garf will be there in full force. Eric, you and I will will be there um, along with a couple other folks. The Garf has a table and we have some special guests coming. And there's been a lot of speculation as to who who these special guests for the Garf are going to be. And I don't know if do we want to tell them now or do we want to make them wait? Uh, I don't know. We've got to, we've got to, <laughs> mm. you call it. We got a captive audience. You call it. All right. Um, you know, head, head, heads or tails. We're going to do this Harvey two face style. I'm going to flip a coin. Heads. Means All right. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's tell them. Okay. Let's tell them. Let's do it. Or I don't know. Action speed look louder than yep. words. Yep. Uh, what, what do you think folks? Uh, all right, to continue the celebration of 40 years of Night Riders, we will have the following guests joining us at the George A. Romero Foundation table. Uh, here we go. Boom! Oh, look at that. We have Albert Amerson, Blackbird, and Mr. Gary Lottie, Sir Allen, will be joining us as guests of the Garf at the Living Dead Weekend. I am... I, I just got chills just looking at that, and it is amazing to have these two gentlemen join us uh, for the Living Dead weekend with just continuing the celebration of Night Riders turning 40 
and the amount of fans that Knight Riders has had over the last 40 years and how many folks have come out recently and be like, I love Knight Riders. Oh my God. I can't believe, you know, you know, more people love Knight Riders and this is it. I mean, this is, yep. this is big, everybody. Yeah. First convention of appearance for both of these guys. And you, you really, you know, you don't even hear from these folks, honestly. So bring out your Knight Riders gear and speaking of Knight Riders gear, the Garf is going to have tons of it available for sale, all brand new original shirts, mugs, uh, hoodies, all sorts of stuff to celebrate Knight Rider's 40th anniversary, as well as uh, exclusive pins by Ghoulish Gary and Scary Stavro. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> and also original art uh, by uh, Garf Foundation resident artist Ryan S. Carr. And speaking of Ryan S. Carr, he will also be on uh, on site at the weekend of the de or li Living Dead weekend. <laughs> and uh he will have we'll have some prints and uh, who knows what else on hand. But stop by, say hello to Gary Lottie, uh, Mr. Omerson, uh, Ryan Carr, and everybody else at the Garf, as well as uh, myself and Matt, who will yeah. be uh, linger lingering around. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Busy weekend, folks. We oh my God, we're gonna yeah. blink and it's gonna be there. And we're gonna blink and it's be over. But I mean, I mean, think about Return of the Living Dead, such a such a loved film, and Day of the Dead. Uh, we got some Dawn of the Dead folks, and we have some Night Riders sprinkled in there for good measure. Albert Almerson and Gary Lottie, I'm I am pumped, man. We're just a little over a week away uh, from Living Dead weekend, and you know, finally going to meet Ryan. You know, we've never met Ryan, and, That's and right. I'm so so super excited to meet him. He is one of the best gents that I've gotten to meet over the last year or so. Um, super talented artist and, and the pins by Ghoulish Gary and Scary Stavro. I'm excited <laughs> to see what they got. Plus the Night Riders merch. I mean, come on, just I'm just going to throw my wallet on the table and just say, take whatever you want. Absolutely. And and we're going to have a blast. Well, before we uh, we're on a little bit of a tight schedule. So before we uh, get too far, let's go ahead and bring on Mr. Ben Rubin from the George A. Romero Archival Collection. How's it going, Ben? Hey, Ben. Hey, guys. How are y'all? Oh, good, good. Thanks for thanks, uh, having me on. Oh, thanks for being back. We we were just yeah. saying, you know, put this on your uh, Garf Network punch card. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love yeah. having you on here, man. Yeah, yeah. so it'll be uh, fun. So and I'll, and I'll be at uh, you know the uh, Living Dead weekend and helping out at the Garf table as well. So people are uh, there, you know, say yeah. hi. Yeah. Nice to meet yeah. you in person then too. I mean, that's another one. Yeah. Where yeah. We, we've just <laughs> been living right. in these little boxes for for eighteen right. months. So we're we're yeah. excited. Yeah, I don't know. Do you can you give us any kind of a, a preview of any artifacts you might have on hand, or was was that in the cards? Uh, you know, we might be able to make reproductions of stuff. We don't usually bring uh, actual things with us to on uh, you know outside of the archive. Um, you know, not not good stewardship. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe some uh, maybe some reproductions. But you know, I'm happy to sure. talk to folks about it. So awesome. Well, obviously tonight we're celebrating Land of the Dead and 16 years following its release, uh, theatrical release, and uh, you've had a dig through the archives to see uh, see what you can come up with, and uh, got to, it's been uh, been a little bit of an interesting uh, run for you last few days. Yeah, so you know when y'all reached out and asked to do this, kind of you know seeing what kind of stuff there would be, and um, 
you know, some of the projects have a lot of different drafts of the uh, scripts. Some of them don't. Um, one of the interesting things with this is that the original drafts actually predate the film by several years, which isn't the case with a lot of the others. It might be he wrote it the year before. Um, and so the original draft of uh, Land was actually, or at least the one that says it's the first draft, he wasn't George was not good at enumerating his stuff. So we're going to go with it. That it was the original is from uh, July 25th of 2001. Um, so, you know, about three years before they even filmed the, uh, the actual uh, movie itself. Um, and so we had several uh, drafts and revisions just with between uh, July there and uh, October 2001. Uh, and then there's really nothing and picks back up again um, in, uh, I think, March or uh, April of uh, 03 again. So there, there was a sort of hiatus between when these drafts were. But what's really interesting about the first draft is in going through it, it's really, it's a different film. Um, it, I was really surprised by how different it really was. Um, there's some really significant uh, ways in which the film would have played out that would have really transformed what we know of Land of the Dead. Um, so first, you know, one of the things I think a lot of people might know is that the original title was Dead Reckoning. Um, he did not plan to continue to use the of the dead uh, you know, moniker with these, the, the new series, um, and was later talked into that. And so it was originally called Dead Reckoning. That did still describe, you know, this, this vehicle as it did in the um, eventual movie. Um, you know, but the, a couple of the biggest differences were, one was, was the characters. And so um, Riley is still the main character. Um, he would have been an African-American lead and, you know, was kind of written in a really strong way, um, you know, what we would have expected from, you know, Ben from Knight, um, from uh, Ken Forey's character from uh, uh, Dawn. Um, and he kind of had characteristics that got dispersed out among a lot of the characters in the eventual film. Um, you know, he's kind of the leader of the group that was interacting with Kaufman um, and not Cholo. Um, and he always has a beef with Cholo. There, there is no relationship with them in this original one. Um, and, and really, it's Riley the one that, you know, he's going to do the chores, get the you know money and just get out. There, there isn't this idea of really getting into Fiddler's Green. Um, that we see in the, the, you know, eventual film of the, you know, if he just does enough of these chores, you know, maybe he'll get in. Um, and so that's really interesting. Um, Slack, uh, you know, Asia Argento's character, she comes in more than halfway through the original script. And um, she's actually a mercenary that works for Kaufman. And she's with that group uh, that gets sent with Riley to go confront Cholo to get uh, Dead Reckoning. Um, so there, there isn't this whole sort of scene where she's fed to the zombies and they, you know, her, uh, Charlie and uh, Riley come and save her. That isn't there at all. She's a completely and utterly different character. And there is no character akin to what she, she did play in the film. Um, and probably one of the biggest things is there is no big daddy. There is no big zombie leader. So. I can't imagine Land of the Dead being what it is without Eugene Clark. He was so iconic, you know, from the film poster, that look, everything about Land is sort of that character, you know, him coming out of the river, um, not in the original script whatsoever. Um, there isn't the sort of sentient zombie that leads the, you know, uh, army through to the city into the, into Fiddler's Green to take it down. It just, it doesn't happen. Um, 
so that that was that was really surprising. Um, the uh, zombies are, you know, they're there. There's a lot of carnage. There's, it's a very violent um, original script. Some of the uh, script notes from uh, Fox Searchlight, which was the original company that's going to put it out, was you know we we have to tone this down. We it it's would make it R rating as it is now. Um, and one of my favorite lines that they gave is uh, a pointer, um, and is you know just very well put corporate speak. Uh, <laughs> So the, the film opens rather than, you know, kind of at that, you know, the gazebo and the sort of, you know, kind of fun opening. Um, Riley is, he, he's watching an ad for Fiddler's Green. He's in bed with a woman and, you know, they start to maybe have relations until he realizes that she's a zombie and she like drops maggots all over him and then he shoots awake and it's a dream sequence. And the uh, Fox Searchlight did not like that. And they said, uh, uh, let's not open with implied necrophilia. <laughs> uh, so that, that, that was their, that, I guess maybe that's how that got changed. <laughs> uh, it seemed like it would have been a really good punchy opening scene that would have been really scary, but, uh, you know, didn't happen. Um, but the woman that he was dreaming about was actually Kaufman's daughter. And so there's this sort of idea that Riley had a relationship with her, it's not really clear, and that's also some of the notes that were given as to is this really what happened? Does Kaufman know? Is that the you know crux of their conflict? Um, so it's kind of implied. Um, so that that kind of adds that dimension to the way that the two of them interacted. Um, so one thing that's really interesting is while there aren't there isn't the big daddy character to like lead the zombies in. Uh, there's sort of the scene that kind of harkens back to Day of the Dead, and they go down into the basement of Fiddler's Green, and there's a laboratory in which they've got zombies chained up and are trying to train them, and you know are learning that you know they have some kind of capacity for thought. Um, you know, there's a scene where he's like, "Oh, and they won't even eat human flesh if we give them an alternative. Look, he'll eat cat food," um, and, and you know is able to give them other types of food now when the human gets distracted, the zombie knocks the cat food out of his hand and eats him. So <laughs> it, it wasn't that effective. Um, but, but it, you know, really is kind of reminiscent of the, you know, scenes with Bob and day of the dead and this, this sort of idea of like them doing this research on zombies and trying to figure out, and can they change this behavior to you? They have a behavior more than just, you know, a lust for the flesh. Um, and, and so, you know, that's how, everything goes wrong in Fiddler's Green as the zombies get out of the basement. They don't push across the river and into Fiddler's Green and into the green zone of, uh, you know, the golden triangle of downtown Pittsburgh. Um, so, and then the ending is totally different. Um, they uh, destroy Dead Reckoning. Um, and it's, kind of set up where it should have really been a, the conflict between Cholo and Riley. So Riley and Charlie do kind of sneak on and get into Dead Reckoning. Um, and then as they're sort of driving away, Cholo, it's, it's a three-piece vehicle in this one, and he you know, is able to detach his beginning piece and starts to drive off. And one of the mercenaries that had been sent by Kaufman blows it up um, and destroys and kills Cholo. So he's not killed by the zombies. Um, you know, he doesn't have his own uh, showdown with Kaufman, you know, kind of all that like part that was really great in the film and had that catharsis is gone. Um, and then uh, uh, Charlie and Riley destroy the third segment 
um, of it. And then they do still drive off in the last segment, the caboose, uh, while shooting fireworks. So the, you know, the, the Pittsburgh affinity to fireworks doesn't, doesn't miss out there. <laughs> um, and then in a part that's really surprising and maybe not surprising why it didn't make the final film is when the zombies invade the uh, Fiddler's Green and are, you know, kind of making their way through, there's the struggle to get out and, you know, everyone's trying to leave and there's helicopters and the idea is that that's how they're going to leave. And so a couple of people get on the helicopter, Kaufman doesn't get on, he's, he's sort of stuck in his penthouse trying to gather his family and his stuff. And one of the zombies has climbed onto the helicopter makes it go off course it flies into fiddler's green and explodes the top of the building and it collapses so of course this is july of 2001. i think we can kind of surmise why that ending never actually made the film um the idea to fly something into a building and destroy it um you know so so it really is this kind of you know shocking difference of you know it, it's a lot darker you know with the sort of way that the film ends um and, uh, you know, uh, one thing though, that was kind of, I thought was really interesting is so, um, when they're down in the basement, the zombie that it kind of gets away, they had numbered the zombies and we're like, you know, the, the one in this cage, you know, we've learned this way. And the zombie was number nine, um, which is also sort of big daddy's right hand zombie in the eventual film wearing the sports jersey with the number nine. Um, so, so that seems to, I think, kind of, you know, that, that was the way that, that that through line hit was to get the character there. Um, you know, so, so those are those, those really big differences. Um, you know, they did at one point try to budget shooting the film in Pittsburgh as well as in Vancouver. Um, so even though he had already moved to Canada and seemed like he wasn't gonna make it here, that they'd at least explored the option. Um, and then Vancouver, you know, kind of makes sense with this film industry um, before eventually making it in Toronto. Um, and there had been some um, pushback that the ending, um, you know, they needed something different for the end. It wasn't the sort of, they drive off and, you know, go in, you know, go toward Canada with Dead Reckoning, see Big Daddy leading the zombies, decide to leave him alone and do whatever. So there's this kind of like flippant letter from George where he's just like, well, I don't think it needs anything else. I don't really know what your problem is. Fine, you want some <laughs> punchy ending at the end. You know, you can tell he very much doesn't like the idea of like the horror trope of like, this, the you know, bad guy's not really dead. We have one more scene. It's like, fine, how's this? And he just sort of describes the scene of the basement of uh, parking garage of Fiddler's Green and Kaufman and Cholo have survived the blast and are now zombies and they go join Big Daddy's group. Um, so didn't make the film. I, I think George would have been mad if it had. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it, it, it would have been a different film, very different characters, very different ending. Um, the complete and total absence of big daddy. Uh, I just, I can't imagine how, how different that would have played out. Mm -hmm. How about, uh, Kaufman's character? Did he remain pretty much intact? It, sort of there's um there's like a board of three guys in uh the original one and i mean i think in the film too there you know it wasn't just kaufman but kaufman was sort of secondary at least in the beginning and then he kills the guy that's like really the one that rules with an iron fist and takes over um and so i think he just sort of consolidated like all of the bad guyness of the you know plutocrat into just kaufman mm -hmm. 
Matt, I could be imagining this. Do you remember there was like rumors of Vin Diesel that was going to play Riley? You remember that? I, I remember that. Yeah, it's kind of funny. As soon as you said Vin Diesel, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Like yeah. there was, yeah, it was it was one of those early rumors where they were, you know, George was making a movie and then all of a sudden there was going to be a studio and the studio wanted, you know, folks and Vin Diesel was just getting hot at the time. Uh, I think this yeah. was before Triple X, uh, but after Pitch Black. So he was kind of on, on the up and I think it was... No, it was before. It was after Triple X and the first Fast and the Furious movie. I think it was in that neighborhood. Yeah, so he was he was a hot commodity. I, I I'm very glad that Vin Diesel was not in a George Romero movie because I mean that's that's <laughs> yeah that'd have been weird. Cat like Vin Diesel is unfortunately one of those actors that can't play anything but Vin Diesel in a different movie. Like he doesn't blend in. So he would have been playing Vin Diesel in the Apocalypse, and I I think that would have been detrimental to the film. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I didn't see anything about that casting, you know, debate within the uh, files. There, there, there's, you know, a file this thick of, uh, you know, back and forth and legal contracts that so could be in there. Um, but but the, definitely Riley was intended to be a African-American lead. So, um, you know, the possibility that the studio's response would have been Vin Diesel makes sense. Um, uh, yeah. You know, but yeah, I don't, there was nothing in there to sort of point anything about that. So the and the zombie training stuff you were talking about, it kind of sounds like the original uh, some of the uh, elements of the original day script. Yeah. Uh, so that would have been interesting for it to play out that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely seems like that's where he was borrowing that from was that that, that sort of original idea and, um, you know still trying to figure out how to get that into a film and it, it still didn't mm -hmm. happen yeah so. and also but he he finally did work in the alternate food source if if i mean right yeah you know yeah it, that that well, we hadn't gotten there yet but uh right yeah i guess it comes back up again in survival but um mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah um you know he, he he does he gets in there it's um you know, it, it's kind of funny too. In the original, he he never like explicitly says that it's in Pittsburgh. He you know talks about like they're in Butler and they're on Mount Washington and like they come through a tunnel and there's a city across the river and like it, it's Pittsburgh. Just say it. Yeah, <laughs> um, Union, you know. uh, Union Town and such. Yeah, um, yeah. But then in the the script that you know came later in 2003, 2004, it's you know it, it's set in Pittsburgh. Like it explicitly says that. Um, you know, but there, there's that I, I've noticed that in other scripts where he doesn't ever like name where it's taking place, but he names all these things within Pittsburgh. So it very clearly is what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, like he names streets or landmarks and things, but just doesn't ever say like, we're, we're in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, and maybe that change sort of happened as he really was, you know, in Canada at that point and, you know, kind of felt that, you know, need to have this sort of homage to like the one film that's like really wholly set in the city and the city is, you know, part of the character. True. Uh, Stephanie Zombies has a question. Were the kissing lesbians in the original script? <laughs> Do you um, recall that? I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't jump what, out at me. That uh, was in like the puppet booth there at the end, right, Matt? Is that, uh, yeah. yeah, it was it was the first time we see them in the city after getting mm -hmm. through the river where they all get their weapons. Mm -hmm. okay. and, yeah, that's yeah. an oddball little shot there <laughs> he probably yeah. came up with it on the fly we needed something to 
have two characters be distracted because they probably wouldn't have been paying attention. So he's like, all right, kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 There isn't a whole lot of description of that sort of like, you know, kind of shantytown area where everybody's sort of living, you know, locked outside the gates. Um, you know, you, you miss a lot of that in the original script. Hmm. Well, maybe it was good. It had a couple more years to, to fester and uh, yeah, to boil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially with the political climate. I mean, it was so you know easy to pluck material from that. Right. You know, and so, so one of the things that was, um, you know, the, we have the screening reports from when they uh, screened the film originally in March of, of 05. And um you know, there, there's a lot of different, you know, reactions, you know, pretty much everything. I think like the overall from the, you know, 90 people that saw it was, you know, like 95% positive, you know, it was like, so glad to see Romero film. It was great. Needs more gore, had too much gore, you know, like kind of all over. But one of the things that kept popping up, and I think this kind of fit in with that, you know, like where we were at that time in the political climate was that they freaking loved Kaufman's line about, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Mm -hmm. like, uh, and I think that's just so reflective of that period of time. Mm -hmm. So they also really liked when the belly button ring got ripped out. <laughs> uh, that, that one popped up a lot and was kind of funny. Um, and some of the others that sort of made sense, the sort of dead Cholo getting revenge and, you know, some of that kind of stuff. But it's a good shot with the dollar bills and the flames. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Well, I hate to I hate to run, Ben. Uh, we got to. Got a tight schedule tonight, but uh, we thank you for coming on. And can you give us a quick update on uh, what's going on with the archive? Um, sure. So, um, you know, the physical materials are processed. Um, you know, they would be open for research, but the university is still uh, limiting visitors. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll be relaxed and go back to welcoming everybody soon, um, you know, as the pandemic sort of subsides here. Um, still working through the digital materials. There's a lot of them um, and the software's new. It's kind of, uh, you know, it's a different process that we're not used to. So we're still learning, um, you know, but really excited to have students hopefully come back in the, for the fall term and get a chance to come in and work with the archives. Um, and we've uh, just this past uh, few months here have gotten several new archives. Um, so we got the literary papers of one of my favorite authors, Kathy Koja. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, the literary papers of Linda Addison. Um, so she's a horror poet, um, probably the most decorated horror poet that is writing today. Um, we got the archives of the Horror Writers Association. So the main sort of organization of horror writers and who confer the Stoker Awards. And uh, nice. I was super excited. I got to announce that at StokerCon this year. Um, so was, oh, that nice. was fun. Um, and then um, we got the uh, records of the Etheria Film Festival, which is um, the, one of the first uh, genre film festivals in the U.S. that really focused on a female-directed film. Um, and cool. so sort of the history of that film festival. So some really great stuff. You know, we're just getting it in, so we need to process it and before it'll be open. Um, but the, you know, archives continue to grow, so it's, uh, it's exciting. So... All right. Well, everybody, Ben will be at the uh, Living Dead weekend. Uh, yep. You'll be there uh, Saturday and Sunday, Friday. I'll yeah. probably be there Friday and Saturday. Friday and Saturday. Nice. All right. Yeah. So yeah, stop by the Garf tables and uh, give Ben a holler and tell him you love what he's doing because we sure <laughs> yeah. do. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, come on by. You know, come up with your you know obscure archive questions. I don't know if we'll be able to answer them, but I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thanks for having me on, guys.
Yeah, and Ben, we'll uh, get in touch soon. Uh, let's let's plan another show before summer's out. And uh, uh, dealer's choice. You you let us know. Okay, yeah. sounds good. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, Ben. Right. Thanks, Ben. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and roll out our interview with uh, Tina Romero, where she talks about her experiences on Land of the Dead, and actually, uh, uh, we've got a lot of uh, Matt's experiences in there as well. So. Uh, We'll see you guys uh, on the other side, right about the nine o'clock hour. Oh, wow. Oh, neat. <laughs> you know, we have one, I have one of these for every film he made. Oh. From the uh, Louisville Stoneware Company, my my aunt always made a mug for him when he made a movie, and now I have them and I love them. Oh, that's cute, Nate. Yeah, and so I have um one of my good friends is like I call him Spillina. He's like he he can spill something from across the room and like break a glass <laughs> with his eyes, uh, and so I don't let him drink out of these. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> How how old were you on um, land? I, I was just looking at the picture uh, of you in the army uniform, and you know when I yeah. when you see the the film, you don't say, "Hey, that's a young person." Yeah, you, you don't think like that. But uh, but looking at it after you sent, it's like, "Oh my gosh, what is she twelve? Oh my goodness, <laughs> no! I was in college. I was in college. Uh-huh. Um, so that would have been my sophomore year of college." Um, and actually the way that I dated is because the other pictures I sent you um, are of my girlfriend at the time, Caitlin Comboy. And she and I flew to Toronto. To, and she came with me to do my little cameo on land. Um, and at the last minute, you know, they were like, hey, she was a gorgeous, very tall uh, woman. And they were like, you wanna be a zombie? And, and they put her in full full zombie. She got like one of those three hour faces with contact lenses and everything. And she's actually has a really cool featured shot in the, uh, in the same scene that I'm in. Um, Do you shoot her? Yeah, uh, no, I didn't shoot her, but I, I did. I took what I took away. I, I was cracking up this whole day on set because we were walking around the set and I was a soldier and she was a zombie. And I was like, this is hilarious. This is like, you know, zombie soldier love. What what an amazing story here. <laughs> and we're, you know, we're two gay women. And so um, for Christmas that year, I made her like a little mockumentary film called Forbidden Love. And it was a, a mockumentary about a zombie and a soldier that have a, a have a relationship. And uh, and I made my two buddies from high school dress up one as like these, uh, one was a gay zombie and one was a gay soldier. And it, I, I wish I could dig this shit up. In fact, I think yeah. I gave a VHS copy to the uh, archive and asked them to digitize it for me. So if they ever do, I will let you know. <laughs> I will be emailing Ben this weekend. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you for anticipating I, my next question. <laughs> I think it may be one of my best pieces. I would love to see it again, but... Um, so but yeah, I was. The, is she one of the zombies that's um, like across the barbed wire and gets yes. shot? Though, okay, cool. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll have is. to grab a screen crap. Yeah, yeah, she is, and um, yeah, that scene when there's the big, the big influx, and uh, I'm I'm up there, 
my line was supposed to be stench 10 o'clock. Uh, and <laughs> to which my boss says, you know, take its fucking face off. And I just go, and I, you know, I got to the, the, the highlight of my day was getting to be with the, the props department and learning how to shoot blanks out of a BB gun. That was very cool. Um, what was less cool was the like getting one take, uh, wow. you know, cause at the last minute dad was like, I'm up on the thing. And my dad was like, Tina, I want to change the line. I want you to say stench high noon. I want to make an homage stench high noon. And, and so I, I say it, but I'm cracking up. I, I can't take myself seriously at all. This is like not a role for me. I am not a badass soldier. I am a sophomore in college. You know, I can't even kill a spider. Um, and I, if you look at it, it's so embarrassing. I, I am just, I have the craziest grin on my face in this shot of me, but uh, alas, I, I did get to wear some dope fatigues. And you know what? It was the first time anyone had ever plucked my eyebrows. I had my eyebrows plucked for that soldier shot. <laughs> <laughs> HMU was like, let's, let's help you out here, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this no. is the thing. The lessons you, the lessons you learn doing a zombie movie. <laughs> no, had that role been secured for you? Was that, had that role been set aside for you? Did you know yes. that all along? I don't know why, but that's what he chose for me. Yeah, that was mm -hmm. what he chose to put me in. What'd your, what'd your I, girlfriend think about being in makeup and being a zombie? She loved it. She if she and she was such a trooper too because she was she was in there again for like three hours. Um, they did a really serious prosthetic on her. Um, you know, she had cheekbones for days. She looked amazing as a zombie. Um, mm -hmm. and, sh and, and it was, you know, it was really, it, I got, it was, it was so cool to show her this part of my world. Um, what, a, and we didn't even know she was going to get to do that. That was not in the cards. It just, we kind of showed up and they were like, Hey, you want to, you want to be a zombie? And she was like down to do it. Um, and I, it was just one of those things you just can't even, you can't even write that shit. It was so cool. Nice. But that was a very fun day. Land of the Dead it was, um, you know, it was a very significant time in uh, in our lives as Romero's, um, and and it was, you know, I think it's a very powerful film, and it has so much relevance today. And you know, talk about my dad being a visionary. Some of the themes, some of the. Um, I mean, we basically have a Donald Trump in the film, you know, it's, it's, and we have like a, a, an apocalypse going on with people tanning and sipping cocktails inside. It's, it's trippy how weirdly relevant it is today. Um, anyway. You kind of answered one of my other questions is it was a single day on set. What, what was that? You were on set for a single, just one day. Oh no, that was, so I came up to set for that cameo. I, I came a couple times, um, but that, I was there for that big scene. Um, and and I was around for um, some of the stuff in the, in the um, city underground with Asia, you know, when they're fighting the zombies. Um, 
and I was around in for... Chihuahua's Chihuahua's Club. <laughs> in Chihuahua's <laughs> Club, precisely. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and I got to see a little bit of the Dead Reckoning action, which oh, is, wow. I mean, how how cool is that name yeah. for a vehicle? Yeah. Um, and then I got to be around for some of the post, which was very cool, and um, and then a bit of the uh, whirlwind tour after the fact for the you know during um, can and uh, what when we were doing the the rounds for putting it out there and you know I think I think this film this film was really a big deal for my dad because it was a universal it was a big studio deal uh, and there are pros and cons to that you know he had guaranteed distribution up front had a pretty decent budget to work with but he also had a lot of big bosses over his head as a result uh, a lot of people telling him what to do from the get which is not the way he was used to working uh, nor the way he preferred to work um and i think that was challenging for him in a lot of ways um he found ways around it but you know the classic story uh, that i'll never forget is when he was casting you know they said that the um Riley, Simon Baker's character, you know, they said this is not a role for a black man. Um, they actually said that in what, 2000, when, when were they casting, 2004? Um, crazy. And and my dad was in the back of his mind was like, well, fine, you know, we're gonna make Big Daddy. We're gonna, we're gonna cast Big Daddy as the black man. And that's, you know, in his legacy, that was, it was important for him at this point to continue that tradition. Um, and and he explained it as like, that's really the real hero of the film. And some of these Hollywood execs are too dumb to get that. You know, they just think of the, the Riley as like the hero when really, if, mm -hmm. if you're paying attention, um, Big Daddy is where it's at. So I, I thought that was, I thought that was very smart. And I loved how he was like, I'm going to find a way to do what I want and get, get around the, uh, the tape that the big wigs put up. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. It sounded like the struggles your dad had, he quickly turned those into his advantage to slide stuff in underneath that no one would get and yeah. probably helped him mentally with working on that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I think, he, I know that he was not the hugest fan of all the CGI stuff. There was a lot of CGI zombie action that was like, you know, wasn't his favorite, but there were also these gags and, and the zombies were now deep into the apocalypse. So the zombies have to be really withered down to bones and like you need anim I think he would have preferred to have more animatronics, less CGI, and it was a mix of both. But, um, you know, I think he he just sort of, he he did a good job at going with the flow and doing that dance where you're like, you know, you, you, you fight what you can, you pick your battles and you try to make it as good as you can. Um, with with what you got, uh, and ultimately, I mean, I think that the I think it's actually just such a a powerful and poignant film. And uh, in getting ready to talk to you guys, I just was thinking about it more, and I and I was thinking, God, this is so so ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Just the um, you know the fact that we've got this. You know, I think people really think of the scene, people really kind of think of Land of the Dead as the fourth and final zombie film. I feel like they say like this was the last. 
And then they sort of think of diary and survival as these other ones. Um, am I wrong about that? Is no. that what you? No, they they definitely put it as like the the fourth film in the trilogy. They they first four, last two are over here. Over here, right? Yeah. I mean, and I think that those two have. I don't even know if that's accurate. I think these two have a lot to say, and I think survival is early on to something too. Uh, but land is is sort of god it's totally getting about this like let's just build a wall and not pay attention to what's going on outside and like money is still king and and this is where he's i feel like really getting to the um you know after bub he's getting to that heart of the zombie and and with big daddy being so disturbed by these humans killing off his own um it's, I don't know, it, I think it's really, I think it's genius and um, it's heart-wrenching. And he, and he, my dad was so good at, at, at not letting us forget the humanity behind the zombie. And I think he really does that here. Um, it's so easy to mow zombies down with machine guns, like as if they're just pests, but there's something very disturbing about that at the same time. And, and Land of the Dead, I think my dad really got at the heart of that. It's like these people, these these creatures who used to be humans. They're just creatures. They're just animals, and they and given the chance and given a little bit of guidance, like they can learn, they can remember, and uh, maybe we should be rooting for them in some ways more than the others. And and uh, I don't know. I think that's that's what's really going on in in Land of the Dead. I um I heard after the fact that he, well, I always heard that he was frustrated you know, with the process, but I never had like a real clear picture on it. But later I kind of found out that it was more to do with having to rely on second and third units. Can you speak mm -hmm. to that at all? Yeah, I mean, I know it was a very frustrating, it was a hard and challenging film for him. Um, yeah, I think it's stressful to have to, um, to to not be there when mm -hmm. when you're getting when to when you're getting B cam and C cam and D cam and you're sending out other units and you're pressed for time and it's fucking freezing in Toronto <clears throat> and you're underslept and um, you're you know I think you're just you know my dad was definitely used to being more hands on with everything and getting to see everything he was knowing the shots he was getting. He really wanted to know what he had so that he could know what he needed to get. Uh, and working in this kind of uh, hyper studio environment didn't allow him that freedom of like, oh, I want to get this shot, grab that camera, do that shot. Um, it had to be yeah. much, it, it had to be a bit more planned. And and um, I mean, not that his other work wasn't planned, but you know, it, it definitely was a, there was a more of an overseer to everything. Uh, and he wasn't necessarily on set for all of the units, just like you said. Mm -hmm. um, this was this was a hard time. This is a hard time uh, in his career, and this is a hard time for our family. You know, like this is this is Garf talk. We're doing real talk. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're watching, you're a you're you're a deep fans and so this is the the real romero talk is that this like land of the dead was really when my parents 
this was the end of uh, this was the end of our family essentially. Like this was the last shoot that we were together as a family on, um, and uh, I, I mean, I don't know how much I should speak about that, but it it, it was it was a hard time for our parents. It was a hard time for um, it was definitely a hard time for me and my brother, and um, it was. It was palpable, my dad's stress, my mom's stress. Uh, and ultimately he got through it. He made a great film and um, I don't think it, I don't think it did as well as it could have done because I, again, I think there was something that um, because there was this distribution deal ahead of time, I don't think they allocated enough um, advertisement money. I don't think they did a very good PR campaign getting the film out there. Uh, I don't think they did enough. I don't think they did posters, previews. Like I just feel like they it didn't really get the the play that it should have gotten um, for as good of a film it, as it was personally. Uh, but but yeah, he that was a very long winded answer to your question, Eric. <laughs> but yes, it was a struggle. It was a hard yeah. film for sure. Well, it, it didn't help that it opened a week after Batman Begins. In the Thank middle you, of summer. Yeah, I wanted that was, to know what it opened against. I that it, it opened the end of June. It's an October film. I, I Universal's like, we got the name, we got the zombies, we got the cast. Let's just, you know, do with it. And, and I never understood why it came out in the summer, you know, a week after Batman, which was obviously reigning supreme at the, the box office, where a, a middle of October... It, yeah. it would, you know, it would have gone up mm -hmm. against the first Saul movie, but I think it folks would have been more in tune to go to Romero in October than the middle of summer. Mm -hmm. Right. It was bad. It was a it was a bad release campaign, in my opinion. It, it they didn't really do it right. And, no. and that's the yeah. studios for you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you know, ultimately, I, I think again, though, my dad loved working in Canada as much as much of a struggle as that was. Canada won his heart for sure. Um, Definitely, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, started with Bruiser, but then I think it really got solidified with Landon, and he and he did really want to begin a new chapter there. And um, and there was crossover, you know, there was Peter Grunwald was a big producer. Uh, Greg was on set. There, there was definitely some. Pittsburgh Toronto crossover, but he, he, um, he wanted to stay there. He wanted to stay in Toronto after that. And he was so excited. I, I remember when, um, during pre-production, I went up there and he was so excited to show me the Fiddler's Green location. I, I, he was just so tickled by the, this location they found to, for Fiddler's Green. I think he was, I, th I think he really got a kick out of that, that whole, um, doing that whole satire of of the the wealthy apocalypse lifestyle mm -hmm. very dawn of the dead i guess but in yeah. a whole new way that's a beautiful building it is a beautiful building yeah yeah every time and i'm in toronto me... i stop by oh yeah yeah What's it called? i don't remember what is it called that building? it's now called brookfield place it used to be called bce place when i was there on set BCE. and then i think by the time I went back in 09, it was it had changed to Brookfield Place. But I mean, it's just when you just walk into a building and there's a huge atrium and it just 
Yeah. It, it's just, be and it looks like, you know, like you're walking down a main street because the inside of uh, the one side of the building looks like the front of like, you know, New York houses or, you know, a city, mm -hmm. you know, city block. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Matt, were you on set for Land of the Den? Yeah, I was a zombie when they break into Fiddler's Green. Wait, so we were there the same day? If you were there when they break the glass and break into the building, I was, oh, I was oh, there. I, I, right. Okay. I'm th not yeah. thinking. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Now I you I have to pull up a we got to pull up some screen grabs of that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm very quick. I'm in I'm in more publicity shots than I was screen time. I got more screen time in survival, but uh, yeah, it was just to be there and see your dad direct and be directed by him in a way through through everybody was just yeah magic. I can't even I, I can't describe it. It's wow. it's hard to. You know, just to see your dad get up in the director's chair and work, you know, that's that's like watching Santa Claus work. You know, when you're a kid, you want to see Santa doing his stuff. It's like seeing George work behind the behind the camera is is something you can't can't really describe. Wow. Do you remember um, like what did he did he direct the group of zombies you were in in any specific way? Uh, he and, and Matt Berman did, uh, Matt was more with us and it yeah. was, it was the scene where the, the two security guards are running and they're like, holy shit. <laughs> um, he was inside as we were walking outside cause we're walking up to it. And yeah. I remember, I remember seeing your dad not jump out of his chair, but he got out of his chair and he started directing these guys because they just couldn't get it right. It was like seven, eight takes. It was like something they weren't doing. And it was like the one time I saw your dad like being like businessman mode, like director mode. And I was like, I'm just sitting there watching. I'm like, ooh, George is directing. And I'm just kind of like standing <laughs> there trying, you know, because I'm like, I'm a nobody. I'm not SAG. I'm not actor or whatever it is up there and everything. And I'm just standing there. I'm like, I just want to watch George direct. Like I was just, mm -hmm. it was just, it was just wonderful. And to, you know, watch him and, um, you know, I was only there the one night, but I remember he walked by me and he was like, thanks, thanks, you know, thanks for being here. And I was like, he's thanking me. No. And he, he, but he did that to, you know, but he did that to everybody. But I mean, of course, when it's you personally, you take that to heart and, you know, you know, seeing your dad smile and I know it was frustrating and, but he was working. So it was just, it was just yeah. wonderful to see him in his element. Yeah. Listen, even what, as frustrating as things may have gotten, I think my dad had, he wanted to make projects. You know, it doesn't matter how hard it is. He was ultimately thrilled to be doing something. And, you know, there's two sides of every coin. And um, as hard as it was, I know he had, I'm, I know he got joy from it. And uh, he loves collaborating. And um, just like you said, it, every single person on that set, I know he was thankful for. So wait, Matt, I have one more zombie question. Do you do, do you have a, a signature Matt zombie walk? Uh, <laughs> yeah, kinda. I kind of, <laughs> I was kind of working on it, you know, knowing that I was going up. I didn't, we didn't go up there with the intention. We were just going to visit. We were, we, yeah. were, we were guests to Greg, but when we got there, Greg's like, all right, you guys are going into this trailer, and we're like, oh, what? <laughs> we're like, we're going to be zombies? And I'm thinking, like, background, like, 47th row. <laughs> no, I was, like, second row up front, and I was like, oh, my God, this is the best thing in the world. And I was like, oh, I got to figure out my my shuffle and 
and whatnot. And we're looking around. I'm like, these Canadians don't know anything about walking like a zombie. I've been doing this my whole life. It's like training for the Olympics. <laughs> it's my gold medal moment. Totally. And, you know, and, you know, the first the first take was like, all right, action, and we're stuck. And we take like three steps, and they're like, cut. I was like, we did it. I'm good. I can go. <laughs> I was like, all right, I peaked. I'm done. And then it was, you know, a whole night. And, uh, you know, it just got better and better and better the whole night. But, yeah. How, how long, you know, for the for the part that you were filming, how long were the cameras actually? I mean, was it one take and just you're done? Go on? or No, it was yeah. we, we were standing outside of Fiddler's Green. We were up on there's some steps when they come in, when you come in camera, right on, when you're watching the TV, when they come to the right, there was kind of some steps. So we were probably 30 feet out of frame. So we had to walk up and they were tracking us a bit from inside. They had like three or four cameras set up on the inside to catch all the different angles. So there was close-ups and the wides. Um, I think we probably did a good dozen takes outside before we got to the glass and then we did another handful beating on the glass. They gave us the weapons and stuff. So I had a pickaxe and I'm beating against the glass. Oh, cool. And then they, they, um, they scored the glass and you can, and I can see it in the movie. You can, they scored the glass where they need all the, the, the weapons to hit. And they gave us earplugs for when it popped. And oh, wow. so I would say there was, you know, well over 30, 35 takes for, for oh, the time damn. that I was there. So yeah, it was all night. Yeah, I mean, we started, I mean, we got to make up the sun was up, I would say seven or eight, we started, I think we broke for breakfast, you know, lunch at two, and I think we were there to almost six, till we wow. left. Wow. Slept for That's about amazing. two hours and then drove home. Like it was, wow. I, I mean, it was like being, it was like King Kong on cocaine, man. I was like... <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, yeah, it was great, wasn't it? Like, yeah, it was great. Let's keep going. And it was, it was like a three day high afterwards. I couldn't. I, I, oh my I, God. I still, I still get. It. I mean, obviously, I'm so excited thinking about it, but wow. yeah. That's... What was your zombie wearing? Uh, he had like this like brown sweater, and as an homage, I went out and bought a red flannel shirt like the airport zombie in Dawn of the Dead. So I like popped the collar under it a little bit Aww. so that, so that I could hopefully see it. And I, um, I kept, I kept my shirt and I found the exact type of sweater that Christmas, like I was out at Christmas shopping and I was like, that's the exact pattern that I wore. So I bought that <laughs> and I kind of like have that same kind of get up in my, in my collection over here, just in a, in a shadow box. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I wore the same under. I, I wore the same flannel shirt in survival too. I was wow. like, I gotta keep wearing it. Well, just wait for the outfit I'm gonna make you wear in my movie. <laughs> I'm game. <laughs> it's gonna be a little bit more sequined, but that's all right. <laughs> I, I, it, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if it's if it's a movie. I'll do whatever the director needs. So, um, well, Tina, I had a question. I know you were you were born around the time of day of the dead. And I mean, how aware of you were, were you of, you know, I guess between then and land of the dead, I mean, of just the, the desire by the fans for the fourth film and, and how, I don't know. I mean, one thing I'm, I've never really been too clear on is how eager or, or not your dad was to, to pursue a fourth film. 
that's a very good question. Yeah. Um, I, I, to be honest, I think my dad was always above all interested in making a flick. Um, you know, he was a prolific writer and a prolific idea guy. And he had so many concepts, um, but what people wanted him to do was the zombie shit. So he, you know, I think he was, I think he was psyched to be making a movie. I don't know that it was the top of his list, uh, to be honest. I don't know that it, you know, I think it's like he, oh, you need me to come up with another one? I got you, I'll do it. He could come up with anything. He was a genius. Um, was it was it the his top pick? No. Um, as far as the first half of your question, how aware was I? Um, I would say I was more aware of the fact that my dad was was hungry to make films again. You know, he had that really dry spell between uh, Dark Half and Bruiser, um, and that was a lot of years. Uh, and he, but he was working in, in pre-production. Shit was getting greenlit and redlit and greenlit and stopped again. And um, I, and I knew he was hungry to make something. And, but of course, it's it's very exciting to to get back into the zombie shit. And he he found a way to have fun with it. You know, he found a way to have joy with it. And by at this point in his career, I think he really was able to like. You know, he had grown, he grew attached. He had a sense of ownership over this genre. And he felt, you know, I know he felt a certain sense of like love for zombies. And he was always laughing and joking when he was writing about like, oh my God, I'm gonna kill this zombie this way. <laughs> like he, he would find a way to um, fulfill his creative needs in this genre, if that makes any sense. He was able to find his voice. Um, his very, and I think that's what makes his movies unique is that he, you know, he, oops, I fell into a genre. Oops, I created a genre. Oops, I created a monster that will you know, forever exist. Um, and although that may not have been what he set out to do, it, you know, it's so genuinely, like his zombie is such a George Romero specimen. It's so him, it's like captures his spirit so genuinely. And um, I think he was, I think he was really able to find a way to thrive in uh, in that genre. And so, uh, you know, I think, Land of the Dead, let's see. I think he, as far as the fourth installment, I think he was excited to be making a flick. I think it was a hard project. Um, and, but I also think he really did a great job at finding a way to tell this story in, as far as the timeline progresses in the zombie apocalypse. I think he did such a good job personally at getting yeah. at some, at getting at the, you know, what's happening now, what are people doing now? In fact, I was, I, um, I was looking back at some of the, like what people were writing about. Uh, at the time, and I saw the uh, what um, what Roger Ebert said, and he said, you know, I'd love to see, I'd love to see a, a film that just takes place inside Fiddler's Green. We don't even go to the zombies. Let's just see what happens to the people in Fiddler's Green, where they're just living 
and like we don't even really go to the zombies they're just out there and we just we just focus on like what their lives are like are they stressed are they are they do they even think about the zombies uh and and I, it just really gets at something so rich especially considering what we all just gone through in this in this strange past pandemic year of, that's you know, a mini series right there yeah. you just roger ebert just pitched a mini series the, yeah. Fid, the fiddler's green diaries yeah <laughs> if, if 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 land had been made now we could have had a netflix miniseries on that because that's a hundred percent yeah say, well let's let's keep that one under our hat matt hey yeah. here you go yeah. <laughs> all right i'll call netflix tomorrow yeah well it's just you know that viral meme of the little dog drinking coffee like in the fire with the fire <laughs> around him like this is fine it just feels so yeah. on point with that yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Was was there a point, you know, like you had alluded to, your dad just wanted to work, but I mean, with with Bruiser, you know, getting the deal it did and, and everything, was there a point between Bruiser or some point after Bruiser where your dad was like, maybe I need to go back and do this, you know, fourth zombie film? Or was it just kind of one of those, like it just happened to come up organically or did he kind of pinpoint going back to it? Um. I mean, to be honest, this this is where we need to talk to my mother. Uh, but in my, what I would say is it kind of just came up. It's it's sort of like the, you've got a lot of pots on the burner. Which one is going to boil? Um, and this one boiled. And so let's go. You know, that's, that's in my experience, that's what the hustle is in his life. And in, in my own life is you, you got to have a lot of concepts going at the same time. And like when someone bites and says, let's go, you got to be ready to go. And, and you really have to hold your breath until you're rolling film. <laughs> it, Cause you could be, you could have sketches and mood boards and casts and crews. And until you are, until you are actually rolling a film camera, you just don't know what's going to happen in this biz. And and yeah, I, I mean, I I don't think he was I don't think he was targeting. Okay, this is my next goal. I'm making the fourth installment. I think it was like this is what came up. Here's an opportunity. Let's make it work. But again, this is maybe where we should talk to Chris Romero because she's the uh, she's truly she's truly the inside scoop on all 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 that biz. <laughs> Hey, uh, Matt's everything okay over there? What's going on, buddy? You all right? You're on mute, by the way. Oh, shit. They've invaded. <laughs> They've invaded Matt's studio. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> I think we need to bring in... Uh, Redshirt Pictures, Michael Felsher, to help us out. Uh, Michael, what do you what do you have to say about this? <sighs> Hello, <laughs> <laughs> and we're live. Yeah, this is actually better than Matt is most times, anyway. So you know, jeez. <laughs> Are you, are you gonna, please tell me you're not going to be all Daniel Day Lewis about this and and like stay like this the whole time. 
And uh, <laughs> is it okay to bring you Jake? Oh, no, I don't even know anymore. Let's see. <laughs> Matt says yes, if that isn't even Matt. All right, I want to welcome also to the Garf Network, uh, Mr. Eugene Clark. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing, doing well. How about you? Hey. hey. <laughs> What's up, <happening>, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's right, awesome Matt. Thing? Yeah, you own a lot of the the, the wardrobe. <laughs> you you were oh, flying man. deaf and deaf and blind there, Matt. I I could I could hear, and it's very hard to see out of that mask. So I was like, kind of like looking like this <laughs> through the eyeball. So, hey, Mike and Eugene, how you doing? Doing doing great. How about you? good? Good. Good. Nice to see you guys. Yeah. You see, Mike, you've, uh, you've got people a little bit. But... <laughs> That's yeah, you, you had hair like mine, and you were all right. What's your, what's your woman woman tell you? You better shape up. <laughs> <laughs> she says she says I'm getting too skinny. I'm I'm down fifty pounds this year, so I'm I'm trying to get a little little into shape. I turned forty, so I'm trying to to make the the back forty a lot better than the first forty. All right. Hmm. I, I read somewhere that you you were two or eight, but you want to go want to go you want to go further down. I want to go to about one ninety five two hundred. And 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 kind of stay there, and then I'll start, you know, hitting the gym again and and bulking up. Okay, okay. don't get to get too skinny. No, I'm not going to get too skinny. Some of the women like their men too skinny. <laughs> well, I was a little too thick, you know. I can't be too thick, so I gotta, I gotta find a good balance. I think you're, I'm, I think I'm just about there. Good. You're looking good. Yeah. Thank you. You are too, bud. You're looking great. You are. You are, Eugene. Looking great. Yeah. So. Land of the Dead, 16 years later, guys. Yeah, that's weird. How's that been 16 years already? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. But, you know, it's, you know, I, Eugene, you know, we've known each other for almost 15 years now, almost as long as we've been in the movie and whatnot. But I, I don't know if we ever talked. How did, how did you get involved? Well, Normally, there's a breakdown. There's a breakdown for the project. I, re I received a loan. Um, they were advertising, well, not advertising. Every time that comes through your agent says, there's e or TV production. Um, so they were casting Big Daddy. Uh, um, audition, it was, uh, there were a lot of people there. There were a lot of white guys there, actually. Um, I would. I'm going to say between 100, 150, 200 people were there. And um, a lot of guys were, guys were complaining. I'm out the room and they, and they say, hell is this, acting one-on-one? They were just really complaining. Uh, when I went into the, to the room, George was there. And I keep forgetting the executive producer's name. You know his name. Grinwald. Right. He was there. He was there. And George said, you're dead. Oh, 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 there was, there was an office, office chair. There was a little office desk and office phone. And George said, you're dead. Coming back alive. And you're remembering what it's like to be alive. That's all he said. And I, and I said, sure. 
and I just look at him. For a long time. <laughs> and he said, he said Are you? <laughs> and I said, Now, in my mind, I was thinking, I'm kind of a German, German soul. And, I, and all those guys going on the battle, they didn't wash their, wash their hands. And I'm going to test that, that phone. How badly do I want this stuff done? <laughs> so, I I sat on the I, sat, I got on the floor, put my back against the wall, and and I I went from an infant to a raging maniac. So I put my head on the phone, used the pillow, I curled up in the position. From there, do you remember Bam 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 in, in the stone? I, I I went up and I took the, took the baby and I and I started. Looking, looking, looking like a baby, he puts thing in the house, going like, oh. <laughs> and I started beating the phone like, you know, bam, bam, from Flintstone. And I went from there to I picked up a chair above my head. And I, had, and I just roared loud. And George said, oh, no, Mark, you got me. <laughs> and then about three weeks later, um, he called me back and said, you got, you got caught this morning. Nice. And you... Really he was really cool. I, I I could have lost the part because when he he came back, um, I wanted to do some golf tournament. Yeah, celebrity golf golf tournament. Always like the little the little goodies. So I said, George, um, uh, I have these five golf tournaments I could do. When you got you got He just looked. <laughs> he just. Looked, I know some dudes was that really really golf, but uh, he said it's really cool. It was okay. Had you been had you been familiar with George prior to the audition? No, not at all. They they did give me um. They wanted me to watch Bob. Bob. And I looked at it brief briefly, and then I just went. I, I didn't see anymore. I George's script script spoke to me big time, and I didn't want to be influenced by you know another character. But as of course knowing him, knowing him, you know. Okay. All. Okay. Interesting. Where I think was good. I think it was very good. Um, because went in just to work, and I wasn't in awe, you know, of any. <laughs> um, I just wanted to be true to what he wrote and how it spoke. Nice. Yeah. How much direction and, and it's always been, you know, well documented that George didn't really give the zombies a lot of direction because they would all act like George said. What kind of insight did he give you into the character outside of the script? None. None. Basically, George. He didn't even tell you how to walk. But if he did, if he did like it, you knew it. So, well, loved about George is he gave he gave me a chance to, to, to do your thing, and I would look over and either have this big smile on his face, or he he just looked away and he would go, okay, okay I guess we don't take. But yeah, no, he did give a lot of direction. Actually, I, his direction was in the in the script. Everything was already in the script, and 
to me, it was, it was genocide was happening. That's how, and so I, I thought of genocide that, that happens all, all over the world in different countries, different and that was part of the work I was doing. Um, and here are these guys, these guys come to my area, they're killing my people, and um, I'm trying to get them, get them not look at far, far away because that's going to be killed. And I think George did tell us, I think he told me, I don't know if, I don't know if he told me an ex-soldier, may have, but when I take the rifle, rifle off of my motorcycle and I look at it, I remember I used to just be a soldier. So when I put a loader and I, and I got it's game on, like you put the wrong, wrong guy this time, baby. <laughs> no I, I i love it i i love your movement as a zombie it's not over exaggerated it is actually one of the more subdued type performances and and i think that helped you stand out especially to me as as a very memorable character because we don't know who you are we don't know what your past was like you said you know you could have been a soldier and excuse me and whatnot, but you always just, your, your look, you just had a very intense look the, the entire film. And it, it just kind of seemed like there was more going on back there than what you could physically emote. And, and I think it was, I think it was a wonderful job. I've always enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, well Greg Nickel told me that you cannot hide behind this mask. Anything you think they're going to do. And I, when I put it, put it on and looked in the, looked in the mirror, I was like, oh, Okay, dang, I don't want that brother in there. Um, but you know, throughout, throughout the course of, of my time on screen, uh, it was very dark for me. It was very painful for me. And um, uh, a lot of the, the atrocities on. Um, so I loved it. There were times, times when usually you, you drop off your work, times I couldn't drop work. And we're done. We're done. Seven o'clock in the morning. In the morning. And um, in order to to make daddy, um, in order to, to, to have have those who be watching closely kind of relate to him, then I felt I had to go that that deep. I remember. I remember once there was a technical problem, and and I was on my work. And after a while, you get tired, and it's like. They decided, decided it was okay, but no one came to get me. And I look around, they're setting up another scene. I went to the second he did, oh, you could have talked to me. If it's over, come talk to me because I'm, I'm going to some places. I have a friend named Bobby. He was on the set. And um, there are a lot, there are a lot of, you know, you did one of my yells. There are a lot, a lot of these howls I did, I did. We don't hear them all in the movie. There were some technical difficulties going to go into the studio, and I had to to replicate it. But so in, in the movie, many of them said them sounds, but on set they were different. Okay, almost like uh, sometimes you sometimes you can hear you love dogs, or you can can hear a sound from an animal animal, and sometimes if it's having fun or if it's in deep pain. And I had this one howl, and Bobby he, he was like, "Mom, you mommy up." 
Ooh, you got me. Um, because it, it would come away from the, from the deep down in my in my belly. Uh, this 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 howl, and um. <laughs> I'm just, just deciding if I'm going to share something with you, with you or not. <laughs> uh, decide. I may tell you later, but go ahead and ask that question. Eric, you got anything for him? I could keep him here all night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you hit the mute. Yep. Sorry. What? Uh, following um, the film, can you talk about? Did you have a chance to go back and see some of George's prior work? And 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 how did you feel about your legacy amongst uh, um, his filmography? I saw uh, *In the Living Dead*. Dead. I'm a big horror fan per se. I'm not a big big um, 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 psychodramas that could really happen. And the reason why is I have a very 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 active imagination. So when I watch a movie, I go inside the movie. So some people can people can they can watch a horror film and just you know they they get scared and it's fun. I'm right, all right, all right. So now I just want to board up my house. I want to get a machine gun. I want to get a, a, a plane with a boom. You know, it's like no, I need I don't need to I don't need to watch any other stuff. Uh, I watched Dead. I was I was trying to live in Dead Dead, but for the most part, um, as actor. When the pro project mostly over, I'm going for the next pro project. You know what I mean? I mean it's uh, we're. Um, I was going to use the word gypsy. That might might be the wrong word. But no, I, I didn't. I don't. I don't. Although I have to admit that I watched something that I'm not going to mention the name of, and I I saw enough. George's work to say, ripping him off. They're <laughs> they're stealing from him. Uh, maybe those words words are too strong, but it's like, why didn't they have him do it? <laughs> you, you may know who I'm talking or what I'm talking about. Talking about. There could be many things. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 things afterwards. Yeah, but I mean, um, there, there was a project in particular that he 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 didn't want to direct or go on. And, but you know what? Because of George, we have, have all zombie movies. We have the the Walking, right? So um, he helped set up an, an industry. But as he said he was just, he was just a ghoul movie. He wasn't doing a zombie movie movie person. It just sort of happened. I mean, he's mentioned that in several of his his his, um, his speaking speaking engagements. And um, but I, but I think that. People really gravitate, and I love it when I'm when I'm at a convention. There's usually it's someone who's like a theater made, and they're kind of you know I I I, I knew what doing doing man. You know when you did this at that time, I was like you got that. Oh, she got that. You know, and I, and I like it when they, they come up and say, oh, I, I understood what's going on. That a lot. I mean, Michael, Michael knows a lot because we 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 had a session once. And he had, I mean, he has footage of a lot of stuff, stuff that I'm going to say here, here but <laughs> do you still have that footage, Michael? Oh, I'm sure somewhere it's all, yeah, it's yeah, all, yeah. it's all on hard drives uh, sitting in a, in a closet somewhere. Yeah. yeah. 
Because see, see, here's my my question to you guys. What has occurred in your life that that could turn you into a zombie? Mm. That could have stripped stripped your soul and make you wander in the in the wilderness of mind of your of your soul. I had a job like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, had a couple jobs. Tell me about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, there was a period in the late '90s where I think I spent two years as a zombie, actually. Yep. Uh, just kind of dead to the world and uh, no goals, no dreams, no aspirations, and uh, was pretty much soul dead until a friend of mine woke me up out of it and said, "What the hell's the matter with you? You've turned into a real unpleasant son of a bitch." I'm like, "Really?" Uh, okay. And that yeah. was that was so. Yeah, it, it's metaphorically speaking. I've been to Zombie Town a couple times. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was oddly enough, it was two years for me as well. Maybe there's just a two-year cap life on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe so. <laughs> on that yeah. status, but uh, before you have to get out, uh, before it becomes unhealthy. But uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what. See, that's that's what my interesting thing is. Events occur, uh, and particularly in a pandemic, events occur that can cause you to go places. Mm -hmm. um, and many of us are prepared for that, i.e. the pandemic. Not really, not really prepared for it. Believe in it, some don't. It hits. In our mind, mind US, 600,000 dead. Is it comfortable? So I remember, remember uh, um, uh, if we're going to be real for a moment, just before the um, just before the audition, I was in LA for the pilot season, and I and I got knocked on the door. I was staying with some friends of mine. Um, uh, I played words right here. I, I played most in the Lion King, and uh, even and Masakurel. Um, well, they were the grown-up Nala and. Uh, um, so they they got married and I I went to live with them for the for the pilot season. No one knew I was there. I was there. So there was a knock on the door, and thinking, you know, when something happens and you you, you get a sensation that has something to do with you. Well, there, there was a fetish with me. Yeah, don't know what's on here. It was uh, horse paper. Okay, okay. You you're in court. I'm like, well, uh, I didn't see this. It's coming. So, um, just around that time is when, is when I auditioned. So also sitting in that chair, by that time, my head to, to my toe, I'm numb, numb, because I didn't see that coming. So sitting in a chair, looking at George, just sitting there, sitting there and I'm already numb, numb. But in the, the way I do my work, I can't use that. I can't yet use anything four or five five years too because you can't you don't you don't control it. I have to go further back for that. But what I what I've always was if my ex-wife now, now this what I'm about to say didn't have not true. I like to believe it's true. I used to stand up comedy at Yuck Yuck Comedy Club, so sometimes I, I I like to invent things. And stuff. I like to believe believed it happened that my ex-wife knew George was going to do the movie. And I like to say, say she knew she wanted to get paid. Next thing she could, she could do is divorce, divorce me for the movie. 
So I'll be so effed up that I, I'll get to me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I like to say, you know what? If she hadn't done that, I probably got the movie quick because I wouldn't have been in the zombie state. You know, you know what I mean? Like mm. you, you get 26 like, excuse me? What? Um, <clears throat> but couldn't use I couldn't use any of the work for that. But um, but what it did do is it helped me really look at the atrocities that occur. I mean, up in um, um, Canada, they just found over 200 um, uh, indigenous. Yeah, yeah, saw that. You know, and then and then and that's when they found found I think 750 other barrels. So uh, uh, um, uh, unmarked marked graves. And often we and we see things occur in the in, in television, and it's almost so much like watching me until until it has someone close to us, and then we feel the pain. Pain. So someone died. Oh, him so so soon or so soon. So so. Um, with that going on, on, it just woke up a lot of things inside me, and I remember a kid running from. New York City, running, running, running. I was a little chubby kid in, in New York, and my brother was the athlete. And I remember, remember this game. You know, I had that much speed, man, but I could run. You know what I mean? So, so anyway, let me ramble. ramble. I can ramble. <laughs> no, no, all good. I love, I love stories like that, especially you know, getting to the mindset of what you were like going in there and how to approach it. So, no, I, I absolutely mm -hmm. love it. Uh, I've always wanted to know from Mike what his audition process was like. For, for his zombie role. My audition process? Yes, your audition <laughs> process. I didn't have an audition process because it was also last minute. Um, I came up to the Land of the Dead set to visit for a couple of days, and just getting on the set for me was the reward. I didn't really care. I mean, there had been a little talk about, hey, maybe you can be a zombie, but I didn't dare dream that big. You know, I'm just like, no, no, no. I don't want to. I don't even want to go there because if it doesn't happen, because, I mean, that had been a dream of mine since I was, like, 10. So it's like, I'm not going to worry about that. So the first night, I just hung out on the set. Second night, Greg, of course, because Greg just is the type of guy that he is, said, look, I think we can use you um, on my unit because he was directing second unit on that movie. And he was doing a whole bunch of shots of uh, <clears throat> a couple of shots of when Dead Reckoning is driving through the neighborhood shooting some zombies by some of the houses. And then there was a couple of shots of the zombies scraping the side of dead reckoning you know when the fingernails break off yeah. he was filming that portion that night i said i think we can probably use you so he and i'm just kind of standing around on sets but said well i'll let you know we'll just you know because we may have enough people tonight i don't know and so i'm like okay again still not trying to think much about it and then i'm kind of hovering around like on the back side of the we're out in downsview park and uh suddenly greg just comes up and grabs me he says I think he might have pointed to one of the makeup guys. I think it was Kyle, Kyle Glencross, I think, and said, here, go in there. I'm like, yes, sir. And I'm just going. And they're like, well, what are we going to do to you? I'm like, you do whatever you want. I don't care. And I'm just like, I'm just happy as some bitch you've ever seen in your life right now. You can do whatever <laughs> you want. So, well, and so I had a beard like I do now. It was a little heavier back then. And they said, uh, well, we can uh, do this with the beard and maybe something like that. I don't know. But then I'm like, well, go ahead and shave it or shave a part of it or don't. I mean, I don't care what you do. 
I was like, oh, okay. So they shaved off half my beard and put a ripped cheek appliance, and then they, I can't really see out of my left eye very well anyway because of a birth defect. So I said, cover up the left eye, gouge it out. What do I care? And they're like, okay. I think they were just happy to have someone who didn't, you know, wasn't going to be like, don't touch the hair or don't do, you know, don't. Be. And I'm just like, zombie me up. I mean, I'm I'm in it to win it here. Let's just do this. And so then Alex Kavanaugh found me a big ass sweater to wear because I was, you know, I'm a big guy. It wasn't there weren't a lot of options for me, so they found me a big sweater and and I'm um, hanging out and uh, basically it gets to be at two or three in the morning and nothing's happening. Uh, things are running behind and things are just not looking good. So it's looking like I'm not going to get used that night. Which is a little disappointing, but I, hey, I got made up. You know, so technically I was a zombie on a George Romero movie. But then all of a sudden there's some ruckus and uh, Greg comes over and says, "They okay, things are changing. You, 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 you're going to A-set. A-set? What the hell is... Oh. So as it turns out, they actually were running ahead of schedule on George's, the, the main shoot with George. And they were going to film... They needed some zombies for a bit when... Uh, they're stealing dead reckoning out of the auto yard there and the zombies are up against the fence and then they knock it down and start, you know, raiding the compound. And they said, well, you're going to be one of those zombies there. And George is there and the whole crew. And I'm just like, Oh my God, this is like, (laughs) I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I'm the happiest guy you've ever seen in your life. I'm just like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. And George is there actually to direct this whole thing. And so we get all lined up and we, you know, we we're at the fence growling and doing all this. And then the next shot is the fence is already down and we have to rush this guy. He's firing an M16 out of a tower. He bails out of the tower, and as soon as he hits the ground, we swarm him and knock him to the ground and start to munch on him, basically. And so this is our big scene, and, and George, just because he was George, made sure I was kind of in the front of it. So I want you to be the lead guy to go after this. Like, all right, all right. So he walks back to Video Village, and then one of the ADs comes up, and is starting to go, okay, you guys are zombies. You're hungry. You want to do this thing. You're, you're mad. You know what I'm and keep in mind, I've been rehearsing what I would do as a zombie since I was, what, 10, like I said. And it took every last bit of my self-control to keep from going, okay, dude, just just go stand over there. <laughs> I, I, I've got this. You, you don't, don't, don't direct me. Don't, <laughs> so it's like, I mean, but I, I didn't say anything because I'm not going to be that guy. But I, I was like, part of me was just like, I've got this. So we shoot the take. First take doesn't go off because something goes wrong technically. Second take goes well. Third take goes well. And each time I'm grabbing this guy and I'm slamming him to the ground and I'm landing on my knees. I don't have any knee pads on or anything. I'm just busting my knees up big time. And I'm wrestling with him. And then finally we get the take and George says, great cut. And he motions over to me to Video Village and we watch the last take that we did. And he says, and he puts his arm around me and says, Mike, that's a great job. You did it, man. You did it. <laughs> and I remember at that moment thinking, okay, um, are there any live rounds in any of those M16s? Because if you want to put one right here, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. It's over. I've, I have fulfilled what I wanted out of my life. Uh, the, the rest of it can got it's just gravy at this point. I was, the, I was so happy. And uh, the other, and like Matt was speaking earlier when he was talking about his zombie experience, I just floated on air for the rest of that. I don't even remember just like because by the time we got packed out of there, it was like six o'clock in the morning, and I had to drive back to Detroit. <laughs> and I, I'm in the car, and finally the fatigue, the, the, the you know all the the, the adrenaline kind of wears off finally, and the fatigue and everything kind of hits me because I had been up since 
almost 24 hours at that point. And I finally just decided to pull into a hotel just outside of Toronto because it's like, I'm not good for driving right now. And I go in there and um, and I'm wearing all my regular clothes and everything. You know, they clean me up after all that. And I'm checking in and the woman's kind of doing looking at me like this. <laughs> like what's what's this woman's problem i'm almost about to say something but it's like whatever she gives me the keys i go to the hotel room and i go into the bathroom there's the water on my face and i look at myself in the mirror and i realize oh that's right half my beard is missing <laughs> I, I, it's like it's all roughly shaved off all the way around so i'm clean cut here and bushy on this side okay i think i understand why she was looking at me like that yeah oh well whatever and i just went to bed i was like, i didn't care so that was uh that was a special night. That was, I mean, that was, and I'm, I mean, I'm very easy to spot in the movie too. George was very generous mm -hmm. to leave a couple really nice shots of me in the film. But uh, an, an interesting little note: the guy I attacked that bails out of the tower, he had been a zombie in the Dawn remake. The janitor who gets the broomstick shoved through his neck and up through the top of his neck. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he, so he had a lot. There were a lot of uh, Dawn people doing double time on uh, mm -hmm. land because it's like if you have zombie experience, we want you here. You know, you might as well, even if you were yeah. running zombies. But he, uh, so that was that was fun. Wow. But it was, uh, yeah, that that second night, man, was wild because again, all of it was just sort of like I I didn't dare dream this hard to be able to yep. to, get, to be able to get to do that. Yeah, I remember getting to set, and and Greg pointed to the trailer. He said, "All right, go in there." And I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. And I and I remember walking in, and I remember hearing about the character Big Daddy. Now I didn't know who was playing him. I didn't try to get too many spoilers, but I remember walking in, and there's there's four chairs, and I look over, and Eugene is laid back, <laughs> pe sleeping peacefully like a baby, or at least his, your eyes were closed, and you were getting you were getting makeup on, and he's just not moving a muscle. And I remember Patrick was doing my makeup. And I remember Eugene, you got done first. And I like looked up and I was like, shit. <laughs> <This guy's huge. laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. This is gonna be awesome. And then I remember getting, you know, Greg finished me up and, and everything. And we get over on set and he's putting us in places and, and Eugene's like, I don't know, five feet from me. He's like one row up. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, this guy's gonna be awesome like i was just so excited i was like dude this is gonna be great like we got some badass zombie up front yeah see i didn't get to see any of uh Lugine on the nights that i was there he wasn't either there or they were shooting with him somewhere else so uh, seeing the premiere was the first time i got to see big daddy wow. and it was just like this is a really interesting evolution of the smart zombie and what i love what eugene did was there's just little things i love i think my favorite favorite big daddy moment is when he picks up the jackhammer for the first time and he just goes ah! he just laughs it's a, this unbridled yeah. laugh where it's just like yeah. he was just delighted by this moving thing that he just realized he's just gonna and i was just like what a great moment i mean you know, a lot of a lot of actors and directors wouldn't have moments like that in a the movie they would just be too concerned about getting the guy from point a to point b but to give this character this 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 tortured character because Big Daddy's kind of tortured, you know, and agonized by what he's seeing happen to his people. This one little moment of just pure joy, where he's just like, "Oh, this is fun. I like this thing, whatever it is." <laughs> and I really, I just, I really, I'm always delighted in that moment whenever I see it. That's actually my favorite scene in the movie. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I uh, yeah, yeah. I, as a big guy, as a black guy, um, I come after the pops. You know, some bad guys. And as a stand-up comedian, I always try to try to find the, the funny mm -hmm. 
if, if you're killing somebody, I'm trying to find a little moment, but 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 not over the top. And that just organically came. I mean, I mean, I didn't, and I just loved loved it. Oh, you know, yeah. Just and I thought that, that is a favorite scene of Big Daddy. If just just the joy of that, and, and then the computer when it stops, stops. Yeah, he doesn't understand, and he's and then he, he looks up, up, he sees the light, but then then he kind of oh, it has a point. <laughs> yeah. let's go. Yeah. Yeah, you can literally see the thought the thought process. One plus one equals oh, okay. And I love yeah, I love that you can really read into your performance at several key points and go, he's figuring shit out. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. he's under he, this this. I really uh, it's a wonderful performance, and I just think especially at the end when you when you you, you see the gas tank and the and the nozzle, you're just like, oh yes, I know what to do with this, and, and, and you're like. Ah, you shove it in there, and I just I love that it was just like oh man, I, I, I there was a the best thing I can always say about an actress' performance is that it suggests a whole bunch of different things that we never get to see. Right, that, that we're just kind of we're getting a really interesting taste of stuff that has bubbled to the surface, and that there's a lot more underneath that we never really get to to see that we always wonder about and theorize about. And Big Daddy, I think I can't tell you how many conversations I've heard people have or I've had about. What was his story? Where did he come from? How long was he a zombie? Where you know what was his life like beforehand? And that speaks to obviously George's strength as a storyteller and you as an actor that mm -hmm. you that you that you care enough to wonder about where these guys came from. Right, Matt. That, that chair that was a barber barber chair. I could have bought that chair. That's the best leap I've ever, ever had. In my life. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it goes where that chair. I want it to go. <laughs> I would sleep in that chair forever. Those were comfortable chairs. I do remember zoning out quite a bit when I was in makeup too, because also there's also the thing about being touched kind of lightly on your face a little. It's almost like a massage. So there was a couple points where I'm like, "This is really exciting." <laughs> Waking up, like, "Oh, okay, all right." I I stare I stared at myself and Patrick and Tina. I was like, "Keep doing it! Don't stop!" Yeah. That's great. It was just, it, it was just, it was magic. And I, I just remember soaking it all in and, and Eugene, I was watching you and, and Boyd and Jen and all the actors. Cause you guys were right in front of me. So I was like, I was really just trying to soak it in because, you know, I was there as a, as a fan and a friend and just watching you guys create something and, and watching George create, it was such a great night. Cause you were always, you, you were a presence. You didn't say much that night that I was there. Um, but you, you commanded a presence. And, and I think, you know, in terms of just being you as a person and, and the character you were, was just, we were like, okay, we're going to follow this guy. And, you know, as characters, zombies, we don't know why we're just following and we're imitating. And, and you brought it. Um, I was, I was deathly afraid of, they gave me a pickaxe to beat on the window to get into Fiddler's. I was deathly afraid of hitting you because I was so close. I'm like trying to reach up and over and hit. And I'm like, I swear to God, if I hit him, he's going to kill me. And I was like, okay, don't piss off the big guy. <laughs> you would have thrown me through the glass. He'd have been like, who are you? Done. That, that shot, um, that scene, a big shout out to all the stuntmen and women. On the set. There's a lot of those, those guys that were years when I was on, on night heat for five years. And um, you'll see there in, in front, front there's, a, there's a stunt woman, there's a, a, a lineman around. I remember um, 
uh, forget her name right now, but seriously, they were there to protect them. Um, and they were making sure we sure broke that glass, that, that you know, a weapon did impress, you know, they were there for it. And I've been working with those guys for years, and they're just sort of unsung heroes. You know, they're there. And she told me that. She goes, yeah, we're there to protect, protect you guys. We're like that. And I know they've always been like that. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I'm glad they didn't hit me with that, with that thing. I thought, I like, oh, yeah, big daddy, daddy, suck, suck, what up, what up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I was, I, I mean, yeah, I remember them bringing the stun zombies up front, uh, especially when you had to break the glass because you had to really get in it because they, they had scored it. And then they said, okay, three, two, one, the charge goes off and you're hitting it with the jackhammer and it pops. And then you got to break through. And, and I remember being a little excited um, and nervous to go through because I'm like, this is glass. I'm going to trip and fall. I'm going to cut myself, but I'm, I'm staying in character. So if I would have fallen down, I'd have gotten right back up real blood. I wasn't going to care. Um, you know, we, we were so excited to be there in, in, in a crowd of real George zombies. And, and I know Mike, you know, that was probably the same mm. for you. You just, you kept looking around and be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did. I think my, my general expression, if they, anyone had taken a picture of me that night was, <laughs> you know, just kind of <laughs> like, I was, I was just so damn happy and I didn't care how, you know, physically I'm sure I was tired, but I have no memory of that. I have no, and it was cold outside because, of course, George would always film these things in Toronto in October and November, and it's just like, you know, zombies are around in the summer too. I, I just, it wouldn't be. Come on, man, seriously. But it's like, you know, it was freezing out there, but I didn't give a shit. It was just like, you know, and no one else was complaining either because we're all looking over at George. It's like we're on a George Romero movie set. How can we bitch when eight thousand people I know would change places with me in a heartbeat? You know, yeah. so it's like whatever. There are a lot of people who just to be on, to be on this phone. And behind me, you you see big day, and there there's water. So right here. Yo, yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you read that water scene or not, but that was in, was in Hamilton area. Mm. It felt like it was 32 degrees, reasonable zero. It wasn't that cold, but I had on a wetsuit. Most of the um. Farmers, normal clothing. Most mm. of my body was just jumping. I had no control, and there's a look on my face that that looks. I mean, I am, am mad hell. I am <laughs> at all. I hate the cold. I was mad as hell, literally. I kept thinking California, Hawaii, summer thoughts. Looking at these poor background people, thinking, I think it's pneumonia. <laughs> you know, there. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know anything, but they were there time i mean it's amazing the people who love george um george um we go uh on the road and, and this guy would all friends he's, he's on the time talking to him he's so generous this time just just a minute um many, many years ago uh at, at utah where I, where I played football you know mark mark Herman? this is the side mark Herman from, from india hmm. he was my quarterback at ucla so you know, <laughs> so football fans out there, if you go to look up 1980, oh, Mark Harmon from Summer School, <laughs> he did a movie too. But, but Mark Harmon in CIS, be careful. There. Come on, now. Mm-hmm. But, well, summer school, uh, summer school yeah. rules, huh? Yeah, summer yeah. school rules. I love it. <laughs> he did it. Uh, didn't he win Emmy from was it St. Elsewhere? He played a doctor. Yeah, he was a doctor on there, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Right, right, right. But anyway, he was my quarterback. Oh, what, what, what my point? Point is, I forget, forget my point. My point is, oh. is what you look like back then. If you look at your 1983, you see, you see, they'll push up, we'll line up, and, and we'll see. I had not let out. And, and I said, what was my point? I said, I said, my point. Oh, um, Verge. I, I used to like do executive bodyguards for concerts. We take groups on tour. So with George, I love George, love George and I love his, his generosity. I would always, always hover near him to protect him. <laughs> but that's what he wouldn't know it. You know, you know what I mean? Just, no matter where, everywhere, he was like when he was, when he was sick. And we'd be Europe somewhere. Where, and I, I was always nearby. Sometimes fans can be, can be a little overzealous, you know what I mean? But everybody treated him amazing. No one got out of hand. Uh, uh, even when he was a sick, he was fine. I, mean, I, I really love that man. And I'm so glad that he decided to make a, a brother Big Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. It, you know, for, you know, for me and, you know, not so much Mike, cause he's a little bit older than me. So he was probably able, Mike, had you ever seen, did you see day in the theater? No, I came in. I mean, that was, I was 12 okay. when that movie came out. So I wouldn't have been able to see it if I wanted to, but I saw it. That was when I was discovering horror big time. And I gobbled that up as soon as it hit video cassette. I actually saw, cause I, at that point I had only watched Dawn about 30 times. <laughs> and so when day came out, I'm like, oh, my God, the next one. So that yeah. was, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Land for Us was the first time we got to see a George Romero zombie, new, a new Romero zombie on screen. Yeah. That was in, in the theaters. Yeah. Because it had been in, 20 years, almost exactly 20 years yeah. since he did day. And mm-hmm. do you remember uh, the the Land premiere in the, the Byam Theater in Pittsburgh? That was a hell of a night. That was an amazing because everybody was there. I mean, Quentin Tarantino, Simon Pegg, Robert Rodriguez, like everybody from all of George's films that were in Pittsburgh, they were mm-hmm. all there. And then the weirdest thing, there was an after party. I forget where it was. It was like down the street. Is it the and I'm, yeah, I'm sitting there and we're all kind of mingling about. It's real dark in there and I can't see much of anything. And I'm sitting there just by myself, kind of, but there's a guy sitting next to me with a baseball cap on. I'm not really, don't really notice. I'm not part of this conversation but he's sitting there and i'm sitting there for about 10 minutes and then chris Rowe comes up sees me looks over at the guy sitting next to me freaks out and runs away for a second i'm like the hell was that all about and then he comes back running comes running back up to me with a camera saying you got to get a picture of me and michael got to get a picture of me and michael i'm like i'm michael why are you talking to me in the third person i don't understand i'll take a picture. yeah okay whatever so I get up, and then he talked. Chris goes over to the guy sitting next to me for a second, and I look up, and the guy stands up. It was Michael Jordan. Michael Whoa. Jordan had been sitting there the whole time next to me for like 10 minutes. I'm like, what the fuck? First of all, why are you here? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. What the hell are you doing? So I got a picture, and actually I have a picture of uh, – it was Chris I'm like, and Eugene. You were in the photo too. I got a picture of all three of you guys together at the party. It's like – and you it's all amazing. have – Michael Jordan's just kind of like, hey, how's it going? But both you and Chris have this expression of like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jordan's here. What's going on? Wow. So I mean, it was just, that was one of those nights where it's like, 
I expected to see, I would have expected to see Quentin Tarantino and maybe Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, but to end the night with Michael Jordan? No, I wasn't. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'll just take I, it as it comes. I remember hearing about that. Someone was like, Michael Jordan's downstairs and I'm standing next to George. And yeah. I was like, nah, I'm staying with George. So I gave <laughs> up the opportunity to potentially meet Michael Jordan for George. That's how much I was loving, you know, everything that was happening that night. But I remember, I remember that. And I got to see him just completely by accident. I just happened to be sitting next to the guy. And I'm just like, the whole time I'm just like, and I don't give a shit. I'll be honest with you. I don't give a shit about basketball or sports. I really don't. They're just, it's not my thing, but it's Michael Jordan. (laughs) You know, you know, I mean, that was just like, oh my God. So that was, that was a surreal night, but that was an insane, what a wonderful way to see that movie for the first time in that environment with all those people there. It was such a, it was, and, and, and it was such a good spirit with everybody in that audience that night it was just we're all here to see this thing we've been waiting for for so long and it was mm-hmm. uh, it was really wonderful it's interesting interesting um land of the dead is one horror movie i was able, able to watch mm. i want to i want to i want to recount the reason why i'm not into horror movies when i was a kid uh living in florida i i used to watch horror movies vampire movie movies up to age and then i would have I would have horrible nightmares Hey, mm. hey! I will not watch watch the vampire. <laughs> mm. Although I did see one, uh, uh, just a old But I would have, I would have bad dreams. My mom, my mom forgot. No, she thought I was sleeping. I'm like, you know, got to me. <laughs> That's why I don't. I'm not. I'm not really into a bunch of horror stuff. Because I freak out. And then, uh, hey um michael i was wondering if uh while you were on set if you ever had a chance to run into asia argento um i'm sure i don't know what you're referring to (laughs) so no you you Um. don't remember talking to (laughs) asia oh god this 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 fucking story. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I I guess I have to tell this story because if we're celebrating land, I might as well tell this story. And it's a little long, and I apologize in advance for this. But like I said, I was on the set of land for two nights. And the second night was zombie night, and that's the night I love to regale people with because it's like my dream comes true. Blah blah blah. First night, I'm just hanging out on the set, watching George and everybody do their thing. I'm just hanging. I'm just a fly on the wall, which was great. I loved it. But we were out, it was an exterior mostly in this sort of half-finished suburban neighborhood where Dead Reckoning, it's where Cholo takes Dead Reckoning to aim his missiles at Fiddler's Green. And they were shooting the scene where Riley confronts him and he's lying there kind of, you know, and he has to help him up and they kind of part ways at that point. And it was interesting because, you know, Dead Re- the, the street wasn't even finished, it was a muddy street. And Dead Reckoning at one point comes barreling down the road and has to stop, like, you know, 20 feet from the camera. And I'm like, this thing ain't going to stop. If They better break that thing about two blocks back because it's not going to stop. And sure enough, it slid a lot further than they thought it was going to and it almost took out a camera. And so, they, But you could see everybody going, whoa! <laughs> okay. So they, they do that. And you know everybody's there. All the primary cast was there that night pretty much of all the, the non-zombie primary cast. You know, Legozamo and uh, Simon Baker and, yeah, Argia Argento was there, too. And it was, you know, 
And at first, you know, I'm outside the whole time and it's, you know, it's fine. But the, the cold kind of creeps into you eventually after a while. You don't really think about it. It wasn't freezing out there, but it was a little misty in the air. And after a while, you start getting kind of chilled out. And to Video Village was inside one of the unfinished garages of one of the houses. And to heat the garage, they had this huge space heater, which looked like an engine that had fallen off of a jet plane. I mean, they had it had fire roaring in it. That's what it looked like. And there's a fan in there. And on the whole outside of the fan uh, were these little blobs of plastic just scattered all around it where people's j jacket buttons had accidentally hit it and melted instantly to the outside of the thing. That's how hot this thing was. So it's it's at the mouth of the garage, heating the whole place. And I didn't want to go in there when George and everybody was in there doing their thing. I just wanted to, you know, again, I just wanted to be a fly on the wall. Well, eventually, they're out doing a rehearsal for a take, and I'm freezing. I said, i got to get in there and get warm up for a little bit. So I go in there. There's nobody there. And I just stand at the mouth of the garage. I'm several feet from this heater, but I'm, I'm like, oh, God, it feels so good. It's like... And I got my head back and my eyes are closed. And suddenly I become aware that there's someone standing to the right of me. And I look over and it's Asia Argento. And I'm, of course, a huge fan of her and her dad, especially. And I'm working at a video company at the time. We're getting ready to release one of her movies. And I'm like, you know, I should, I should introduce myself and say who I am and that I'm a big fan. And, you know, maybe get a dialogue going. This would be nice. Perfectly calm. I mean, I'm a little startled, but perfectly calm in my head the whole time I'm thinking this through. Well, I don't know what happened between the time I thought that to the time I opened my mouth, but something <laughs> went horribly, horribly wrong. Because I'm instead of going, hello, my name is Michael Felcher. It's a pleasure to meet you. I go, you pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm frozen. And it's like that movie Inside Out with all the little guys in your head. Well, they're all on fire basically and i'm like inside my head i'm like what what the hell did you just say what did you just say say something else for god's sake say something else and i'm like i like you you do the movies you get you get in those movies i like you're good in them <laughs> and i'm just like that's it i'm done okay she gracefully is very very sweet she assumes either i've just had a head injury <laughs> or I'm from another country or something, and I don't speak English very well. <laughs> I don't know what shit, but all I know is just like, okay, thank God for, for you know, and gracefully, by the grace of God, she's called out for another take, so that ends this whole particular thing. So she starts to head out, and I'm just standing there like, ah! <laughs> Meanwhile, as she's walking out, another crew member walks up to the left to also take advantage of the heater. He gracefully, thank God, did not see anyone just transpired. But as she's walking out, she takes an unlit cigarette out of her breast pocket and without breaking her stride, sticks it in front of the space heater. It bursts into flames as she starts smoking it. <laughs> and I'm looking at this and then I turn to the guy who's just walked up and he saw it too. And he looks at me and goes, that was the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, it suddenly hits me how bad the whole thing went and I just slink off into the night and I just sat like around the one of the side of the houses in the darkness just looking at the ground like what the hell happened? What happened to you pretty? Are you at what happened? So every time it's a double-edged sword. I, I get to brag about how I got to be a zombie at a George Romero movie and look how special am I? But then in the background I just hear you pretty 
pretty. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. I'm a schmuck. <laughs> I can't kind of. I got to keep remembering that. So yeah, that was that was. And I saw her. She was at a convention a few years later, five or six years later. And I saw her at the table, and she had some people around. It's like you know, I should go up and just say hello. I'm sure she doesn't remember me. And as I started to walk up to her, I panicked and bolted because I'm like. Suddenly, I was like, "What if she goes? Oh, you're the new pretty guy!" I'm like, "Oh, no!" <laughs> <laughs> because if, if she remembered that, I would have to leave the country. I would just be like, "That's the end of it." So yeah, that that's that was. I to this day, that's one. If I do, if there is a heaven and I get to meet God, I'm going to pull him aside and say, "You pretty? Why? Why did that have to happen?" <laughs> and and he, even he would be like, "I don't know." That, that's that's <laughs> what we were all laughing about that one. <laughs> uh, but it's just, it's just, yeah, so that's it's the it's that's the uh, the 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 uh, the two sides of the coin for my land of the dead experience. <laughs> Great. Uh, fulfillment of a fantasy and a dream that I never thought would be fulfilled, and you pretty. So, <laughs> guys, I, I have to be up at be up at five o'clock. So I only have a few more minutes. minutes. It's him now, and I got I got to move four years worth of stuff. Oh, well, uh, gotcha. Yeah. And, I got to try to drive, too. Okay, man. Thank you, Eugene. No, thank you so much, man. It's it's pleasure to see you again. You know, thank you for everything you did with, with Land. And, and you know, it, it helped a new generation get, get in front of George and see his movies. Yeah. Um, you're, you're one of the nicest folks I've ever met. I love seeing you at shows. I, I can't wait to do it again. And, and I'm glad you were able to come join us tonight. Oh, pleasure. Thank you. I'm, I'm just so pleased. An honor chose me. Ah, love yeah. you, man. Excellent. Hopefully, we'll see you soon. Oh, 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 well, guys, well, guys, have a great. Thank you, Eugene. Hopefully, we can see you soon in person. Thanks, bud. Bye. All right, bye. Bye. Um, actually, we had a couple of questions uh, in the chat about props. Were uh, mm. e either of you able to take some goodies home with you? I I wouldn't have been so bold as to want to take anything no. from the set because it would have been like. Uh, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm going to come here, get to be a zombie and steal shit. I'm just like, you know, it's <laughs> like, you know. Well, what yeah. about like what, um, what you were wearing or something? Well, like that, that yeah. interestingly enough, what I was wearing was part of uh, a whole package of stuff that Alex Kavanaugh had for Land of the Dead that she later sold or loaned out to somebody else. But then she got back for survival. And. So I got to be a zombie on survival as well. And she said, oh, well, it's funny. I have your sweater here, the same sweater that I wore. So I got, and the makeup was essentially the same. So I believe I'm the same zombie in both films because I look exactly the you same. Are. And um, without getting into how it happened or why it happened, except that it was with uh, certain permissions, uh, my, my sweater and my pants that I wore that night are in my closet. I do have nice. my outfit nice. from that night. But uh, and I'd have a uh, crew pass, my crew pass from Land of the Dead, 
which I wore all the weekend I got back from my from the Landsat. I wore that around the Anchor Bay offices all day for like five days. And they're like, yes, Michael, we know you're on the land of the dead set. Well, let me tell you about the... Then the You Pretty thing got out, and they're like, hey, tell us the You Pretty story. Okay, I'm going to take this pass off. I'm just going to leave the... But yeah, I kept that and I didn't keep anything else. But then Matt has subsequently picked up a bunch of stuff. Yeah, from set, I didn't get anything. Actually, uh, Patrick and Tina, when they were taking my makeup off, they actually gave me one of Boyd's, uh, an appliance that Boyd would be wearing because they had a bunch. So that I have an unpainted, unused uh, Boyd Banks uh, face piece. I was thinking about taking my my appliances home and I was like, ah, they're going to end up degrading. I wish I would have brought them, but I didn't. But uh, probably 2012, I think um, Alex Cavanaugh was having a huge sell-off of props from her warehouse. And, and our good friends, Robin Glenna, uh, told me about it. And they said, well, if you want anything, let me know and we'll, we'll pick it up. So I, I looked and I said, all right, I want a- anything and everything. And they were like, well, if they have this, do you want this? And I said, all right. I said, I, I want a jumpsuit if they got any props. And they ended up um, one of these jumpsuits that I'm wearing, which is, which is nice. Um, I've been able to screen match it, which is great. <laughs> I have, uh, what I was reading when, when we came back was actually a menu from Fiddler's Green. Yes. I know. Yes. Yeah. Show that again. Do you yeah. have it on you? Yeah. Yeah. It's the green bistro. <laughs> and, and, and when I opened it up, I was, I was hoping for like some tongue in cheek. Like, Nothing zombie. at all. The only other thing that I found, I, and I always read it. It says buffet offerings. I always read in it burnt offerings from the movie. So I'm like, but they're, yeah, I've read it. It's just, it's, they must have, must have maybe a menu, uh, a restaurant up there was called um, the Green Bistro, but I ended I up a, with I uh, a snapshot of that. I, I've got well, to read that. What's really funny is, you know, you're wearing Big Daddy's outfit. Just showing you how big Eugene is. You look like a 10-year-old dressed up in his daddy's suit. <laughs> in that thing. I mean, it's just like that's how big Eugene is. I, it's, I mean, it's, it, yeah, we were talking. It's like it, you know, my my arms are, are sticking in it and, and my hands come out. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like, and and it's it's like a, a an 87 long. Like I could probably <laughs> like the, the, the pants will get there two minutes before I do. So right, yeah, and, exactly. And, it's, and there's considerable less of me now, so the suit actually doesn't fill out like it used to. I stand up. And I'm like, if this isn't buttoned, it's just gonna, it's gonna melt right off, off of me. Yeah, really. But I ended up with um, one of Eugene's jackhammers, mm-hmm. one of three, and I ended up with the tambourine from oh, the tambourine cool. zombie. Oh, very um, cool. So, so those are are nice and being well taken care of. Um, I, I know it's probably taboo in the props world, but I had Eugene and Greg sign my my jackhammer because they're mine. Yeah, um, I mean, and, you, and, you and, yeah, you didn't buy that so you could go put it on eBay, you know. No, nope, it's uh, it it stays. Um, I, I I got a mannequin for this, so this is is proudly <laughs> displayed in 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 my room down here. Um, I've worn this a couple of Halloweens, uh, <laughs> just because I'm like, oh, I didn't think about doing anything. I'll just go as Big Daddy again. So I'll throw the mask on and grab the jackhammer and go trick or treating. And yeah, there you go. And even though that jackhammer is like a, I don't even know, not a fiberglass, it's heavy. After you carry it for about five minutes and it's such an awkward size, you're right. I'm tired of it. So I could I could imagine how he was, but yeah, it was I, I wished I could have afforded more, uh, just to give him a good home. You know, I I keep my eye out every once in a while and right. you know something pops was there, up. Was there stuff you had to pass up on that you're aware of? Um, I know there was a couple outfits of Asia and Lake Wazama. Uh, 
that that because oh, but actually are you kidding me i think i think robin glenna got cholo's jacket and Ajia's pit outfit so oh, i really? know i know that they have at least two outfits because glenna is the same size as Ajia and rob is the same size as like Wazamo. Oh, well, you know they've cosplayed as these guys at some. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I know they got a couple of things, and I know Alex still has some stuff because when we were in Toronto for the screening for Survival with the cast, um, right after George passed, she had a right. full spread. Of, That's of, right. Yeah, stuff there at the show uh, yeah. of of outfits. So I know she still has some. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't. I, I wished I could have gotten like Jen Baxter's uniform shirt and her bat. Yeah, that would have yeah. been nice to have, and and maybe the cleaver that Boyd uses but, yeah, the later Boyd, in the yeah. movie. Um, I'm just thankful I have something from Land. I just wish I knew what happened to Dead Reckoning, because last yeah. I heard, it was put into storage because they thought maybe there's going to be a sequel, but this was right after the movie was done, and then who knows what happened to it. My guess is that there's no way anyone would have continued to pay storage on something that big. That's yeah. We had a couple of questions that in the chat, um, yeah. guys. I saw you were asking. It's it. They probably hung on to it for a little while, and it was probably <laughs> repurposed. Um, it was an and, impressive thing to be around on set. I will say that because it was uh, during one of the nights. I think the second night when I was, you know, between waiting to see what was going to happen with me, it was parked in a around the corner and I just walked around that whole thing and it really was it was a monster but it also didn't drive very fast at all it took a long time for that thing to get up and running so when you see it in the movie they've kind of fudged it a little bit to make it look like it really could turn corners really sharply and do a lot of the things it really couldn't do much of any of that but uh, it looked nice while it was doing it I will say that yeah, I didn't get to see it on set because we were downtown Toronto and it never made it down that far. So I was a little disappointed. But, you know, when you first see it, you know, in the first trailer, I was like, "Ooh, this is going to be neat. So, yeah. Was, but yeah, no, I mean, it was a, I mean, just seeing all the stuff on set, like all the all the prop weapons they gave us were nice and lightweight. You know, I had a piece mm -hmm. of rebar to start and then they gave me a pickaxe. Um, so I didn't get a chance. I mean, there wasn't a lot that I could see on set, but it was just, it was just neat to kind of see it in real life. I mean, it looks just as good in real life as it does on the screen in terms mm -hmm. of the, the KMB effects makeup. I mean, Greg was, Greg was, is one of the best folks. Like, yeah, um, I know. We're going to see him here in a, another week or so, or I know it's, you know, it's it, been it, good to see him. Cause yeah, I owe him about 400 favors at this point. Cause again, he didn't have to go out of his way to yeah. make us into zombies. You know, he had more than enough people lined up yeah. for that, that were actually there in, toronto yeah he's gonna know, he's gonna he's gonna call in those favors on us uh, and, fine, and we'll whatever. pay him we'll repay him he'll, he'll call up at three o'clock in the morning it's like it's time for you to do that thing i need you to do for me i'm like all right where do i have to bury the body i've got room here on my property if you want i don't yep. care because it's like you know and, and that's the thing i mean i, I got up onto the set because chris Rowe helped get me on there and Chris Romero helped get me there. Mm -hmm. And then Greg was just, you know, he knew, he understood. He saw that look in our eyes when it was like, these guys, this means something to them. I mean, yeah. not that it doesn't mean anything to the people playing, other people playing zombies, but they, we don't have to get them up to speed on this. And yeah. also, they're going to be so damn happy we can abuse the shit out of them. So it's just like, and like again, it's just like shave my beard, shave my head. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I didn't care. They they could have done whatever to me, and I'd have been like. And, and I remember, I th yeah, and I think it was Kyle Kyle Glencross who did a lot of my work. I remember him being kind of like, "Are you sure?" Because apparently they had run into a lot of people who don't do this, don't do that, don't. I don't want this. I don't want that. So it was kind of refreshing for them to have someone who was there, was just like, "Fuck me up." 
I don't, you know, just just do whatever the hell you want. I am your canvas. Shave it, shave my eyebrows. I don't give a damn. You know, whatever you want to do, because it's like I, at that point, it was just I was so damn happy. Yep. Yep. I would have done anything. Yeah, exactly. At that point, it was just like, you know, the fact that uh, we were even there was just a yeah. gift. You know. Yeah. Like I said and, with with <sighs> Tina, it was just to watch her dad direct. Yeah, yeah, it, it, just that, to observe was yeah. amazing. I was I was content just doing that. If I would have been the fly on the wall and not been in makeup, it still would have been the greatest day of my life. Oh, yeah. Because we were watching George make something, and that's oh, all I, that we first, wanted. Yeah, that first night, even with the Ozzy Argento thing, was still the one of the best nights I've ever had because I'm just there. You know, I'm just watching him. And George had more energy than you would ever imagine because, like, it's, it's he's blocking the scene out with uh, – you know, John, and, and and this is the point where John's gotten shot, and he's kind of lying in the in the mud. And George just got down in there and just did, you know. And John Link was almost like, "You see, George just got down in the mud like that, you know, man. He's just he's outpacing all of us, you know." He was just like, uh, everyone just had such admiration for him on the set, and it was so clear that, and it was always interesting to me that he never seemed to have to lord it. I mean, he was just he was just there. His presence alone did the trick, and he never had to be that you know, sullen kind of director guy or playing the, the loud barking guy who was, you know, none of that shit. Yeah. Uh, he just, he just had the authority because you trusted him and you liked him and you wanted to do your best for him. And that, mm -hmm. I, I sensed that that first night. I mean, it's just, and it's interesting to see Land's reappraisal over the last oh, yeah. several years. Man. People have really come around to this movie. I mean, they yep. really, they were able to let go of that 20 years of waiting between day and land and finally go, oh, you know what? This is, oh, I like this. This is very interesting. And um, it's a film that holds up very, very well. Uh, it's it's a film that I think has a lot to offer. And it's, you know, like all of George's films, they're they're full course meals. And it sometimes mm -hmm. it takes you a little while to be in the mood for that particular meal. But when you are, it's like, oh, my God, there's a lot more meat on the bone here than I would have yep. ever guessed. Yep. Yeah, forward thinking. I mean, it's it's you know we're 16 years in. You know, by the time day was 16 years in was 01, and yeah. that was when people then started to to go back to it. And they're like, you know, you, yeah. you had the hardcore fans that were day fans from day one, and then there were people that were like, eh, I haven't seen it since 86, 87, and then they they rediscovered it on DVD, and it's like yeah. all of a sudden, well, as I infamously wrote about in the liner notes for one of the editions, I didn't like day when I first saw it. Because I made the mistake of wanting Dawn of the Dead Part 2. Because mm -hmm. I love that movie so much and the character dynamics and that whole wish fulfillment fantasy of you get to go in a mall and kill zombies and blah, blah, blah. And Day offers none of that. Day yeah. is like, the, it's like, no, no, no. Humanity is fucked. And the good guys are fucking insane and assholes. And so are the bad guys. Like, oh. And so after watching that movie for the first time, I'm like, Jesus Christ. I was like, but then I watched it again after I let all that go and went, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is much more. Okay. I get it now. I, I keep forgetting. George doesn't like to just get, do the same old shit over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think that's what's happened with a lot of people with his movies. They go in wanting something, which I understand. But then George is like, no, no, no. I've done that. I want to do this other thing. Yep. You know? And yeah, Land was the same way. You know? Yeah. He's never made the same movie twice. No. No, he you never know? has. I mean, he, he never... visits a lot of similar themes, but he always finds a new way to to make it relevant for the time. It's not yeah. outdated. It's it's always something that George is seeing when he's, you know, he watched a lot of news, he read a lot, and he he just saw 
the world very different and he was able to capture that yeah and he in, and in it, those films yeah and it's hard to believe now that this is god what very very soon like almost agonizingly soon it's going to be four years yeah since he passed away and i was seeing someone on facebook was commenting on the commentary track that we did for land because i was working on the land of the day collector's edition when george passed away mm-hmm. and it was like oh god this was that was really weird it was weird to yeah. have to try to and then we did that commentary track the night of George's kind of not his formal barbarian or anything, but the gathering of all his friends mm-hmm. and the thing, you know. And that was a very surreal. I'm so glad we did that because yeah. it was like we were, it was all fresh in our minds and it felt like a our way of kind of a catharsis to kind of get, you know get what yeah. we were feeling out and i've never listened to the track since i haven't either there's uh, there's um jace was watching it today um and a couple of folks i know were were talking about the collector's edition and they were talking about the commentary and stuff and it's, i i don't know when i'll revisit it yeah it, i mean i had to i had to edit it and i did it i remember i did it very quickly because it was like there's really not much to edit here we just you know and then i turned it in and i haven't listened to it since yeah it's just like I mean, it wasn't, I don't remember it being an unpleasant experience at all. No, I remember, yeah, no. but it's like, uh, you know, when, when you get that, there was a lot of emotion that day. It was, you know, oh. I had, I had driven up to Toronto that day and, you know, it was the end of a very long emotional day, but it was, I think it helped. It helped me sleep. It helped yeah. me start to heal because it had been about, it was like about a week or so, week yeah. and a half after he yeah. passed and yeah. It, it was the first time I felt like I could be okay with him gone. It gave us something to focus on the other than just yeah. grieving for him. You know, it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, it's sad he's gone and everything, but we've got this thing we need to do. So we have to, yeah. we have to, we have to be, it's important that we do this thing. So it gave us something to, to focus on and really kind of make sure that our, we were uh, emotionally all there for it as best we could be, you yeah. know? But yeah, but land was a, it was two days, but it was two memorable days of filming and then the premiere and all that. And it, it's, um, it's one of those experiences that will always, I, I can remember so much of it. There's some, you know, some experiences you remember highlights of, but I have a very good recording in my head of those two days and I, and I can replay them at certain parts I'd like to cut out, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But even though, even with it, as embarrassing as that story is, I love telling it because I'm hoping someone eventually will go, oh, I know exactly what happened here. I have, <laughs> I know exactly, you, you know, you, 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 you basically had a stroke and didn't realize. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's, so it's, it's, it's all good. And I, I always like telling the stories where I sound like an idiot anyway, and I've got plenty of those. So. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. When you. When you look back on the film, too, it looks like a two hundred million dollar movie. I think. Well, we George was good with, with yeah, yeah. George was really good about getting value out of the buck, and he really was. And that movie does look a lot more expensive than it really was. I think mm-hmm. the total budget on that thing came to like seventeen million dollars or somewhere mm-hmm. along that. Wow. And then he had to, of course, go in for some additional shooting, and that was another thing. I was in Anchor Bay at the time, and we were getting ready to release the first. It was the first DVD release of Season of the Witch, and there's always Vanilla. And we wanted to do an interview with George, but of course yeah. he was shooting Land of the Dead. Well, I don't know how he agreed to it or why he agreed to it, but he said, fine, I'll do it, but we got to do it on this particular day. And as it turned out, that was the last, he, he came straight from the set on the last day of the additional photography. 
And I remember opening the door. This is really early in the morning because they shot all night. I opened the door to the hotel room we're shooting at, and George is standing there, and I'm like, oh, God, I am so – he looks so tired <laughs> and just was exhausted, but he still showed up anyway. And I'm like, George, we – I don't – oh, no. I just, <laughs> just don't – and here I am. It's like he's just finished a very difficult shoot on his latest movie, and I'm asking him to talk about two movies he probably hasn't thought about in 30 years. And it was just, you know – but he did the interview. He did the interview, and it was just like, you know – you're you're too nice, man. Yeah. <laughs> if I would have been you, if it, honestly, if it had been me, I would have begged off of that. Like in the morning, I would have called at six in the morning and said, guys, no fucking way. I'm just been like, do that. And I, and I would have understood completely, but it was just like, God damn it, George, stop being so nice. This is going to, I feel terrible. <laughs> yeah. like, so if you watched, ever watched that interview, I think it's called oh, digging yeah. up the dead. Yeah. Uh, he, you can, you, you can, I don't want to say you can tell, but there's a moment where, no, Someone asked him a question. We, the, Gary Hertz, who was the producer on that, asked him another question about There's Always Vanilla. And George just goes, I got to be honest with you, I didn't enjoy that experience very much. I don't, It was a long time ago, and I have really nothing left to say about it. And Gary was smart enough to go, moving on. <laughs> it's like, you know, so it's just like, okay. But it I was. Rem uh, I remember watching that featurette with my wife, and she's not like a super huge Romero fan, but she. Mm -hmm. at, I remember her making a mention at that moment, like, "Okay, he's had it." Guys. Yeah, he has. Yeah. And again, <laughs> it, he he would be if it had been in other circumstances. I doubt he would have even gotten to that point. But again, he mm -hmm. just left the set of these of this additional photography, which ran until like six in the morning or whatever it was. And I was just like, "Oh, George, come on, man. I'm sorry. I was. I felt so bad about that, but." You know, in the end, we watched Land of the Dead together not long, you know, about a year or so before he passed away. And he he we had some distance from it at that point, was able to go, you know, this movie really works. It moves really, really well. You know, it's it's got a good pace to it, and it's got some really good performances in it. And so, yeah, it does. And it, and it doesn't surprise me that it's undergoing a renaissance now, that people are finally able to discover it and leave the baggage of his other films behind and judge it as its own thing. And I think that's going to happen to, to diary and certainly to survival as well. Um, so it's, but land is a, it's an issue. And, and I, I liked what you were saying in, in Tina's piece about how it's kind of viewed as the fourth film unofficially. It's not, you know, the other two are viewed as like a beginning of another thing he was doing, but this is kind of unofficially viewed as the fourth in the trilogy in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And which it kind of is. It is. I mean, I don't view it as the first of the three new films. I view it as, if anything, a transitional work between what he was going to do and what he had done. So it's it's uh, it's it's just. And again, Universal I'll never understand their decision to rush the release the way they did, because that movie got great reviews. It got some of the best reviews of any film that summer. And but they rushed it out. They they were going to have it out in Halloween. But Doom wasn't ready. I think it was do the the rock movie, the the Doom adaptation. Mm -hmm. Doom wasn't ready, and so they needed to push that, and they needed something they could move up into its spot, which was going to be ready. And Land was ready, and they brought it out. It had no chance for any significant the uh, trailer exposure, and they put it out either the it was the week before, it was the week after War of the Worlds, and the week before Batman Begins. How's that movie going to make any money then? Yeah. 
You know, and then George always hated the poster in terms of they put that stace that autograph of his on yeah. there. He hated that. It's like, who's that for? Mm-hmm. You know? So every now and then he would get pissed off about it and he would sign for fans. He would cross that out and say, <laughs> This is my real autograph. Fuck that. You know, stuff like that. And people would always say, Oh no, go cross mine out too. Cross mine out too. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But yeah, so the yeah the marketing campaign. George later said another reason they did is they wanted to have a a DVD out with Dawn of the Dead the remake later that year. That was where they felt they were going to make their most money with it. They didn't really care about the theatrical release so much, which showed unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, the movies endured. So what are you going to do? Yeah, like you, you said, know. it's 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 a renaissance. I mean, sixteen years later, people. Yeah, people, I just can't, I can't get over sixteen years. How is that possible that it's sixteen years already? I mean, we weren't thinking of that in one when we, you know. Day was 16 years old and you know dire you know dawn was 20 23 we weren't thinking about because we'd lived with it for so long and yeah it's, at that it, point yeah in 2001 no day felt 16 years old yeah i felt like a long time in 2001 but again i was 12 and day day came out and my whole between 12 and 2001 there's a lot of changes in my life and a lot of living i don't know i mean i'm not as far removed from that person that existed during the land of the dead period as I was from the person who saw Day of the Dead for the first time. So yeah. to me, it's just like, well, I, I still know that guy. He's not that yeah. old, that guy. Oh, shit, maybe he is. Yeah. Uh, you know, so. Yeah. But would... the, and the world has changed a lot, though, since that movie was made. A lot. Yeah. And it's it's going to be. I mean, this year's the 20th anniversary of 9-11. When the fuck did that happen? You know, it's wow. it's this whole passage of time shit. I've said it before. I'm not a fan. I'm just I'm not a not a no. big fan of it. And and every day social media reminds this is oh yeah X number yeah. of years old and you know so and so is this you know how many years old and you're like damn yeah how many times do you see Facebook remind you of a post that you go oh yeah I did that a few weeks ago six years ago <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fuck you Facebook <laughs> you know I mean it's just I hate that I really I hate that but you know what are you gonna do every day is a new day and everything yeah. else so far but but. The uh, the further I get away from Land of the Dead, the more I treasure that experience. Mm-hmm. The, the the experience because we were very lucky, we really yes. were. Yeah. And I've never, I never try to make it sound like, well, I got to do this wonderful thing and you didn't. Because again, it's a crapshoot. You know, it, it's we lucked out in a lot of ways, uh, in yeah. so many ways. And so it's like, look, we. If I give myself any credit, is having a door open for me. That was the luck of the draw and being smart enough to go, oh, there's something interesting through this door. Yeah. That's the only thing I can give myself credit for going, oh, I want to see what's through there. But that door could open for anybody. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, man, I'm just, I'm so so grateful. And it was, (laughs) Land was like the beginning of seeing you and Rob and Glenna on every set at some point (laughs) and and not being the least bit surprised by it. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's Matt. Hey, that's Matt, Rob and Glenna. Of course. Why wouldn't they be here? (laughs) (laughs) i'm only surprised i haven't seen them yet you know it's just just like you know and so it was and in fact it would have been weird if i hadn't um yeah it's i mean it gave us a bunch of years of a great run of of being able to see each other and and celebrate we were just living in the moment yeah and and you know george was coming back there was kind of a renaissance you know of george you know with land and of course the dawn remake put him back in the forefront Mm -hmm. and and the internet was coming around more and more where people were able to go back and discover this you know youtube was coming out and you could post 
interviews yeah. and shit. Everything you had never was. Seen. Tra- I mean, you know, Diary of the Dead. You look at that now. Diary of the Dead seems like a period piece. You know, MySpace. Does anyone remember fucking MySpace? You you yeah. want to you you want to you want to find something funny? The first Iron Man has a MySpace reference. That's how long the MCU has <laughs> yeah. been around. Yeah. Oh, that's and, right. And, he's, in the, he's in the truck saying, "Put this on your MySpace page." That's yeah, right, yeah, and it's but yeah, I mean, George's all of George's films are are a time capsule, not just of his life, but but the world. And it, it just when you go back and you watch them with a different set of glasses on, it it's like the glasses in National Treasure. You just gotta you know adjust, yeah, you know one or two, and and yeah. it's, it completely opens your world. And also, George, I remember when he was talking about what you know with Diary, he was just like, well, I. I'm this amazing amount of people being able to get out there with news and report and talk about things that are going on out there. And it scared him because it's like, yeah, but that's not news. How are we going to be able to determine, differentiate people's opinions and their biased reporting as opposed to legitimate news? I mean, all, it all becomes one of the same after a while. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he, boy, talk about being able to see into the future. You know, I mean, that's exactly what ended up happening. And, uh, so, I mean, his, his, I always admire the fact that he, he, he saw the zombies genre as like, okay, I can get financing to make these movies, but then I could talk about the things I really want to talk about That's right. the haves and the have nots, ignoring the problem, you know, entrenched bitter warfare and not being able to get past your own anger and all these things. So it's like that, that was what he gave a shit about really mm-hmm. at the end of the day. I mean, George loved the roller coaster ride and the zombie gags and all that stuff, but he knew that was the icing on a, on a cake. So. You know, and, and I land of the dead is is full of stuff like that. Mm-hmm, and yeah. there's, I, I think one of my, <laughs> you know, Dennis Hopper has a very interesting role in that movie because he's he's very subdued for Dennis Hopper. You know, this is not the Dennis Hopper of Blue Velvet, which would have been weird, uh, but you know, he plays it very calm and very cool. And but he has that wonderful moment where he he shoots the guy when he starts asking about the money and he drops the guy and then he's like, yeah, we've got dead reckoning. And he goes, no, nothing. I, I just did something that, yeah, I might not have done otherwise. <laughs> you know, he's just, yeah. just kind of like, oh shit, that was unreal. Oh man. I love that. Got a bit of a conscience there. Yeah. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Just like, he didn't want to shoot the guy, but at the same time, he's not going to lose a lot of sleep over it. But at the same time, I was like, it's just that little turn he makes. Oh, shit. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, whoops. Oh, well, what are you going to do? But uh, yeah, it's it's that movie. The movies, George's movies are always full of little things that you can pick back out later that you maybe never saw before. Mm-hmm. Little things that you never noticed before because you were too caught up with something else. And uh, Land is... Land has generated a lot of those little things, the little 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 moments and little performance bits and little dialogue things that are going on in the background, where it's like George created universes in his movies without necessarily even realizing or meaning to, you know. Mm-hmm. But he just he viewed he viewed filmmaking as such a gifted opportunity to tell a story. He just wasn't going to walk through it, mm-hmm. you know. Even if it wasn't like survival was a film that was rushed into production, honestly, and he wasn't fully sure that this that they were ready to go. But at the same time, he was like, "Well, I, you know, it's so hard to get a movie made. If you get a green light, you got to go for it. You can't. I can't. I cannot come up with a good enough reason to not do this. Mm-hmm. So you just run with it. And in the end, he ended up being very happy with the movie. But it's just like it, it's such a fucking miracle to get a movie made at all." 
that when you have an opportunity to make one, jump at it and do what you can with it to make it the best story you can because mm-hmm. you may not get another shot at it. And invariably, that had a, Survivor was his last movie because even the the market bottomed out for low budget zombie movies. You know, they had to be two hundred million dollar movies or ten thousand dollar movies. The mid range disappeared completely. And so, if from George's perspective, it's like I'm not going to get a two hundred million dollar movie. I don't want a two hundred million dollar movie, and I can't do it for ten grand. You know, so it was just like you know, it was the market just. Things changed, and the, some of the guys were just kind of priced out of it in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And I always felt bad that George never got another. Not, I, George, I felt had at least a couple more movies in him, but you know, it's the situations just went the way they did. And, but you know, Survival was a good note to go out on if he was going to go out. Mm-hmm. And again, that movie's ripe for reappraisal. I think very much so. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think they'll just they'll come up in their own time, you know, diary. They they, yeah, they will. Yeah. You, know. you know, the more people go back and look at diary and be like, oh, that's addressing social media and fake news or, you know. Yeah. Stuff oh, now. yeah. And, and then survival will come in with with however folks take it. And, you well, know, you look so at I'm, how this you look at how America is right now, how divided it is. It's almost a 50 50 split. That's survival. Yeah, that's, you know, two people on opposite two families warring against each other based on hatred that they can't get past that they can't and, see a way around in spite of a larger threat and and they can't even remember why they were fighting right you know it's, it's, it's this entrenched hatred and this entrenched distrust of each other that despite a clear problem that they both need to, to deal with they can't do that and so and land is and i love land's idea of just well there's this huge problem out there but fuck that let's just build a wall and pretend it doesn't exist Mm-hmm. You know, it's out. That's that thing out there. We'll be fine in here. Uh, no, no, you won't. Yeah, because you still care about money and power and prestige and social classes and stuff like that. You're making all the same damn mistakes that we made before, which got us into this. And guess what ends up happening? Yep. You know, George was fast. These were the things that George was really fascinated by, and I think that's why people keep coming back because there's again meat on the bone. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could ramble on forever because yeah. you know these things. <laughs> well, it's hell. It's land sixteenth. Why not? But uh, you mentioned yeah. uh, looking towards the future and uh, weekend after next, we're all going to be in the same location. Uh, we are. For- yes, we're going to all be in Pittsburgh at the Monroeville mm-hmm. Mall out there, finally emerging from this pandemic horseshit. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be. Gr- I'm looking forward to. I'm really looking forward to this show because it's like, uh, I, just, I need to be around people again for a little bit you know i I didn't take these two fucking uh corporate vaccines for nothing i mean who knows what kind of who knows what kind of super diseases are going to give me later in life so i might as well enjoy it now all of the Uh, vaccines will activate when we get into a close proximity to each other and something will happen so that's why we'll be real zombies yeah or we'll fuse into all one big being and go on a rampage (laughs) like godzilla so that could be fun too i guess but I'm looking forward to it. There's going to be a lot of good friends. I mean, I'm thrilled that Greg's coming in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. John Harrison's going to be there. So it's good to see him again. And yep. everybody, you know, Tom Savini will be rolling, rolling around in there somewhere. I'm sure he's going to come yep. and visit out. So, and it's the Monroeville mall. What better place to go and yeah. yep. hang out and chill out. So it's, our, it's going to it's be our Graceland. Uh, you know, it really <laughs> is. It's our Mecca as horror fans. It's where we must go to, yep. uh, to pay. Cause it's the only, living breathing horror props or horror yeah. location it's the only 
It's the only one that's like that, where you can actually go in and do the thing that they do in the movie, which is shop mm-hmm. and wander around and stuff. And um, yeah, it's been a while since I was last at the mall. I know, Matt, you go every chance you get. Yep. Uh, but uh, you know, I haven't been there in a little while, so it's going to be nice. And I'll be in uh, Thursday and taking nice. off Monday. And I'm just going to have a I'm just going to have a good time. I don't have yep. any I don't have any agenda other than sleeping, having a good time, walking around, and buying some. Fine, fine Night Riders merchandise. That's which I'm looking forward to getting. <laughs> well, speaking of Night Riders, we'll have a couple of special guests. Oh, Gary Lottie's going to be there. Look Gary at that. Gary Lottie and Albert Anderson. Wow. Uh, Blackbird. So, and, and yes, as and, and Michael mentioned, uh, the Garf uh, 40th merch that's going to be at the Garf table. So come, uh, come by and say hello. And uh, we'll be. Uh, I don't know. Me and Matt will be around. Michael will be cruising the floor. Oh yeah, be, <laughs> I won't be hard to miss. Uh, I'm sure. I, it, it, there's always a, we all see the same people at these things to a large extent, and that's kind of the fun. That is, my especially question, now. Yeah, especially now after all this. My question is, I'm curious about the mall. How how many stores made it through the pandemic? You know, because it's it, this was brutal for a lot of people at malls. I'm yeah. sure were not the ones that were able to survive a lot of this very easily. So it's going to be interesting to see what, uh, what the mall shapes like, but you know, we'll, we'll be there and it's going to be, I'm fun. I'm actually, this is one of those few trips where I'm actually looking forward to relaxing at, and I don't have a lot of work to do. Yeah. So, and, and Matt, I have a birthday gift for you. Don't forget. Okay. I've been holding on to this and you're not, uh, I think you're going to very much like what it is. If you don't like what it is, you're going to be the biggest asshole that ever existed. <laughs> uh, and actually, yeah, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to really like this. So coming, coming from you, I know it's going to be something special. So I'm looking, well, now you're to building it. it up into something big. Thanks a lot. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> it's a Taco Bell gift card. No, it's, uh, yes. it's, it's <laughs> yeah. Now like you're like, you're eating Taco Bell right now. Fucking give me, give me a break. <laughs> uh, but no, I think hopefully you'll, you'll really, really dig it. I'm it's, sure uh, I will. Yeah. But um, anyway, so yeah, but Land of the Dead, again, I just, going through the pictures, I took a lot of pictures at the premiere, and I'm just like, 16 years? No, no, no. I don't like that. Stop it. (laughs) Just stop it. Yeah. Yeah, I got pictures of Quentin Tarantino. There was a pic, I walked into the the club at the the pre-party, and it was George, Tom Savini, Greg Nicotero, Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, Robert Rodriguez, and uh, Quentin Tarantino all sitting at a table together. And it's like, ah, that's a good table. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, there's some interesting stories I imagine going on at this year's <laughs> table. And everyone's just kind of looking at the table like, wow, look at all those people at that table. <laughs> you know, even, George, even George was like looking at me like, Mike, what's with the... <laughs> but it was, yeah. Land, land, land has had some really nice dividends for me personally over the years. Yeah. And I, I remain very grateful to all the people who made that happen. Yes. Yeah. Thank you to everybody that, you know, made the film, made it special for us. Yeah. Um, it, it, it gave us new friendships, you know, cemented long-term ones, um, you know, and introduced George to a new generation. It did. It really did. Cause at that point, you know, George hadn't really been on screen. I mean, Bruiser had been done, but no one sadly saw that movie and, you know, dark half and monkey shines. hadn't really made much of an impact when they first came out. So it had been a long time where George's name was sort of out there for people to go, Oh, that guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and land, 
if it didn't do anything else, the theatrical campaign at least put people's money, put his name back out there. People would go, remember mm-hmm. this guy? Remember? So it was like, and that was good. That was that was good for at least because he got you know as a result of that. I think with Land, he he didn't want to have that experience again. He's like, the bigger the movie is, the less control I have, and the more people I got to answer to. I don't. That's not me. Mm-hmm. So he was able to get diary together, which he was like, yeah, I call the shots here. It's not enough money that anyone's going to be lording it over me and I can make the movies that I want, you know? So in the end land was something he was very happy about and he thinks the movie thought the movie was really great, but it also was like, yeah, I'm not the big budget guy. I'm not the, uh, I, I, in order to be independent, if I got to take a little less, it's worth it for that. So Mm -hmm. I could just, I can be the guy that makes the decisions on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or Michael, thank you so much for coming on to celebrate the 16th with us and uh, of course. counting your experiences. And we're looking forward to catching up with you weekend after next. And hopefully everybody can come out and see us at the Monroeville Mall of all places. Yeah, yeah. Go to the, come to the Monroeville Mall, say hi. You know, we're going to be out there just, we're going to be free ranging it. So we'll be all rolling around out there somewhere. And uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be really nice. It's going to be a really, really nice weekend. Yeah. Unless the whole so. thing, unless someone sets off a bomb and blows the whole place up. Oh, Shut, hey. You know. hey. <laughs> All right. So now for every person that comes up to me that tells me that they told Mike, you pretty? Yeah. Well, I'll make some donation to the Garf or something. We'll, we'll do it. So we'll. Uh... Oh, that's, that's, that's really cute. That's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah, you get some t-shirts made. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> we got a week. We can get them made. No. No, no. <laughs> oh, funny. Very funny. Oh. Yeah, it's very it's funny. You do realize I'm going to be around you in a week, right? <laughs> yeah. I, there will be consequences for this. You know, we could reenact Ken Forey throwing John at the, the puppet <laughs> off the, the balcony. I'll be Ken Forey. Guess who you'll be? You pretty! <laughs> Again, funny. <laughs> It's real hard. You and that fucking t- button. I swear to God, it's. I hate that. You have too much power. You're not. You're not responsible enough to have this great power. You're just not. I hear that you're often. Not. Oh, Joey um, Tarango, thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, you're really. I. Jace. Oh, fuck you, people. <laughs> I've always been worried that if I tell this story too much, eventually it's going to become a thing that's going to hang around my neck for the rest of my life. And I'm beginning to sense it's about to happen. Hashtag you pretty. Shut up. <laughs> All right. Well, you can catch us weekend after next, July 4th of the weekend, buddy boy, or uh, you catch us next time on the Garf Network. Till then, I'm Eric. And I'm Matt. Yes, and, you are. And he's Michael Felsher, and, and we'll see Michael you next Felcher. time. <laughs> <laughs>